Hello everybody and welcome back to Sequelizers. This is another inter-season episode. As always, I am your host, Jack Chambers, and I am joined by my two sequelizing compadres, Mr. Matthew Stogden. Hello. And Tim Matum. Ahoy hoy. How are you both? How's it going? Pretty good. Yeah. So we, do, we, do we usually ask how we are? No, we don't. So it's no, this new I'm territory. throwing you off. How are you, Jack? I'm good. I'm all right. Yeah, a bit blocked up, as the listeners might hear in my throat a little bit. But <laughs> I you meant blocked up in the bum. Just blocked up in the bum. No, quite the opposite, Matthew. <laughs> <We've> as, <laughs> as, as we discussed before we started recording. It's true. I pooed myself. <laughs> <laughs> like 10 minutes ago uh, on I'm... your black leather sofa. Oh, that's what that is. Um, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm a little tired. Uh, been doing some editing film stuff, which is going very well. Doing some filming... This means nothing to the audience, but in two days' time, so there's some stuff there. So it's going real good, and uh, we're going to have a cinema together. That's nice. Yeah, we we've are. Got, we've got yeah. our first kind Sequalizes of sequ- day out. sequelizers day out away <laughs> trip. Yeah, field trip to the cinema. We need to seeing all a terrible film. I'm not excited for. It's gonna be a piece of shit. But before that, we should probably address some listener feedback we've received about yeah the previous season, season four. Let's uh. A these fucking cues, shall we, gentlemen? From our from our lovely listeners. Yeah. Yes. Patrons, tweets, emails, and everything in between. Yeah. We we are very very grateful for the response. It's been really nice. Mm. Um, just because again, people have just genuinely been invested in the show, which mm. is actually a really huge compliment and a nice statement. So thanks, folks. Yeah. And it's it's um, you know, we sort of we record this and then you know it, it gets edited and we kind of hurl it out into the internet mm. um and it and it's it's often you don't really know if you're having uh if people are enjoying it so yeah, it's always yeah. e- even if people have you know questions or uh you know feedback or whatever it's nice to know that people are out there listening and uh yeah. engaging with the show yeah it's very nice i i'm very guilty of that myself being i'll be a huge fan of something and never tell the person <laughs> and just be like <laughs> I'm I if I like put the effort in I would probably be like I would be your number one fan but I've never interacted with you or never gone like really enjoy the show thanks for making it I really yeah. appreciate all your hard work and all that kind of shit I'm just like no I just listen religiously and just don't say anything I'm the quiet majority that is a problem I think with a lot of people kind of the the, the internet you get so much negativity because they're the people that are saying something uh, there's a phrase to I love which is cowards and idiots talk the loudest not our fans they're awesome. But, um, well, <laughs> I have fought with neo Nazis about Shrek 2. Exactly, before, so. exactly. But it is true that most of the time you will very rarely get a a nice comment or a support. Even even the supporting comments, like, I'm not sure about this, but I love the show. Or, or you guys do this. That's great. That's really nice to hear because, as Tim says, not only are we um, rolling through so much stuff and putting it out there, but also we're so focused on the next thing because we're trying to get more Absolutely. content and get it all going that we forget that people are listening to these episodes. A couple of times potentially and going mm. i really like this mm. and maybe hopefully telling other people saying you should listen to this episode because you like this film and you'd like these guys that kind of thing so that's really nice to to have yeah i'm always amazed by people when they say oh i've listened to the whole season three times or whatever i'm like i edited all of that and i don't know why that <laughs> was a painful experience for me so i can't imagine listening to everything three <laughs> times that's unbelievable so yeah. yeah before we get into all these just a big Thank you, really. We Just appreciate a, big, the... a warm hug down your headphones. I am not hugging anybody. 
you Matt's ha- giving you a firm handshake. Mm. I believe Matt, Matt uses the term embrace. Matt, Matt will use. He usually just shouts the word embrace and then hugs you. <laughs> that's actually that's very true. I yeah, do I, do that I, quite I know, a lot. That's why I'm saying Shit. it. <laughs> What's weird is I don't think I've ever thought of that until you just said it. <laughs> I do just. Stand you never st- thought that was your thing. No, I didn't know it was my thing. Ever I, since I met you, that's oh, been shit. your thing. Oh shit. You yeah, just, you just go. Oh, I'll see you later, man. Thanks, guys. I'll see you later. Embrace. <laughs> <laughs> Show me yes. what you got. <laughs> That's such a true. The thing is, I didn't hug people until I met Tim. Um, ah, Tim, Tim, Tim got me to hug him. Yeah, I wasn't a hugging person until then. Tim, but T- Tim's uh, no. a hugger. Of T- the three Tim's, of us, Tim's a good Tim, well. Tim is Tim is the hugger. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> he's good. At I mean it. that in a couple. That sounded like a weird. I can't. Not enough. Not in a Harvey Weinstein way. <laughs> fucking hell um no i think uh we should just reiterate though just to be perfectly clear don't hug us in the street <laughs> well you're welcome to hug me and tim probably I assume, don't tim, hug me in the streets <laughs> don't well, touch matt matt's method is very good because it's like uh it's consent. Sort of like an, it's consent <laughs> it's advance warning like yeah. if matt's gonna hug you you're gonna know about it beforehand yeah i do just stand stuck still now you're saying it and just go embrace <laughs> and then yeah. like yeah it's like maybe it's maybe it's just brace for impact it is yeah, yeah. yeah. shit uh, hugs are often pretty intense but yeah. people have said that about me before yeah. so that's true. Speaking yeah. of bracing I'm for a large impact. man. Oh yeah, have we have we answered let's, all your questions yet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's kick things off, shall we? With a question from Patreon. Because Hooray! Yay! Good old Patreon. Thank you very much. Michael Belcher, thank you very much for supporting us on Patreon. He would like to ask the question. Would it be changing the format too much to have some episodes where you pitch or discuss sequels for movies that never got sequels, but in your opinion, should have? Or for movies where a sequel was clearly set up actually never came out for example the mario brothers movie hmm. would love to see you struggle to come up with something for that love the podcast love the podcast but we'd love to see you struggle <laughs> that's, that's i'd love to see you struggle that's the internet all over yeah, isn't it? pretty much um to, to put it bluntly we've already done it mike <laughs> true we did it with dread and because we wanted a sequel to dread and mm. we did a whole episode on that mm. so not to speak for my fellow sequelizers here but i shall anyway do it I think we will do in the future. That's definitely something we want to explore going forward mm. and whether it will continue being the mid-season or inter-season episodes or whatever. Maybe we'll do a kind of a spin-off season where we do a whole thing of sequels. Who knows that that mm. never came along. But yeah, we'll definitely do stuff like that. I really enjoyed that episode and kind of spitballing what could have been rather than what should shouldn't have been. Yeah. <laughs> it's not we um, we talked about it on that episode. It's like it's nice to be pog- positive and kind of think, "Oh, we wanted more of this, not yeah. oh god, what we got was terrible and we need to burn it in hell." It's mm. a nice combination of a really good celebration of things we love plus a blank slate. Mm. So rather than having to say, "Well, that's pretty good and that didn't work and maybe that could have worked." It's like, "No, no, no, we can make this work. This would be great." Mm. That's it's a nice thing to do. So, yeah, we as you say, we'd like to spend like maybe regular content sort of thing. That'd be be cool. Won't give away what we'd like to 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 sequelize in that regard because spoilers. Mm. But I think we've all at least got a few films in our head that oh, we, yeah. that we oh, would yeah. definitely and probably I'd imagine there's some crossover there. You know, I think when when Dread was suggested, everybody just kind of went like, "Oh yeah, 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 juicy." Ooh. Mm. Mm. Which was weird because we all synchronized in that exact phrase and looked at <laughs> each other and didn't speak for another six minutes. <laughs> And to kind of spin off that, mm. very similar question from Stuart Main via Facebook. Mm. If you could do a sequel for any movie, what would it be and why? So it could be any film that was a standalone and you want to see it continue, or one that you wanted to add the last chapter to. And I think 
the answer is dread to a lot of that. <laughs> dread was a good one. <laughs> dread is a bloody good answer to that. Um, my personal one was a bit of a weird one because it didn't do very well, but I actually quite enjoyed this film, and I like the source material that I'd like to see expanded. It's John Carter. I okay. Here's the thing. Uh-oh. I reviewed John Carter of Mars. Yeah, I, not called of Mars until the last eight seconds. Exactly, that's the important bit. I actually like that film. I do as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it had a lot more potential to be better, but it's you know it's fucking Avatar, same thing. Um, but <laughs> it is. yeah, um, I, I genuinely think if John Carter and the thing is it's it's done with the maturity and it's it's you know it's uh, Burroughs, you know he's doing mm. basically Tarzan again, but on in Mars and there's a lot, so much lore and words and basum and all that shit, mm. but. It's it's all right. It's it's not bad. Taylor Kitsch is, is a bit, you know, mm. but he's fine for what it is. Because again, it's another Tarzan guy, in a, you know, in a loincloth on on planet jumping around. He, he was Tarzan at one point, wasn't he? Was he a Tarzan? Mm, I don't know about that. No, he, that, you're thinking of Skarsgård. 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 Maybe I am. Not Sar. Not Skarsgård. That would be different. Um, no, I think it's all right. So yeah, I must admit, I wouldn't mind seeing another one of those as well. Actually, to be fair, Mark Strong was pretty good in that too. Now I think about it. The only time I watched John Carter, I had just really badly dislocated my kneecap um, and then proceeded to walk about on it for a bit longer and then finally took some painkillers and laid down and watched John Carter. Um, mm-hmm. And so were, you, so my, were you high out of your mind on painkillers? I, was, I wasn't high out of my mind, but I certainly wasn't particularly focused on yeah. <laughs> It was dull to the world. It, yes, it was a little bit of like, I'm just going to put this on and lay here for a while. Um, but I remember it being... I, it, I remember it being quite pretty. It is. It is. It's and, nice and, and and quite strikingly different to a lot of other films. Yes. Um. I don't like. You've got that kind of big red Mars desert. Mm-hmm. That it just it just looked different to. I, I mean, it was it came out kind of in the height of sort of Transformers era. Yeah. yeah. And to have that have something that looked so well clean action as well. So it was yeah. all quite nice directed. Yeah. Yeah, so I I think I'd definitely be open. I'd I'd like to rewatch it before I pass uh, judgment. Yeah. Pass judgment, but I haven't seen it in a few years. I maybe mm. maybe my opinions warped a bit, mm. but no, I thought it was all right. Mm. Um, I think again, audience not being ready for it or not really wanting it, not really getting mm. it, and also and around terribly content. fucking marketed as well. That was a huge yeah. problem. Yeah, although I, I did like the Peter Gabriel song they used. Yes, so good choice. Good. Yeah. Any other suggestions to, to tease potential future episodes? Yeah, I said I wasn't going to, but I'm going to. Um, so there is a Russian series of books. Oh, fucking hell, Matthew. Come on. <laughs> They're not bleak. It's like, you know. What? It's vampire shit. Uh, okay. And so uh, the first one came was uh, Nightwatch. And it was mm. pretty damn good by uh, Timur Batov. And um, it was very cool. Uh, early 2000s shit. I thought, this is fucking amazing. I love this stuff. This is great. Um, very grungy, very, very, very high contrast sort of stuff. And it was very, yeah, flag, but very, very, very cool. And then the sequel, uh, sequel? The sequel. Se- the sequel. Um, Daywatch came out and said, this is brilliant. Oh, this is awesome. And then Timur Batov got sort of recognized by America. Mm-mm. And then he went and made Wanted. And then he made, shit. and they made Abraham Lincoln vampire thingy. Oh, yeah. And then Ben-Hur and that's really a, that's his, a ben fucking was his. pretty sure it was his yeah Ooh. fucking hell but ultimately um it's frustrating because there's a third one i don't i think i don't know there's more or not mm. but the third one's twilight watch i think it was and I you just to stop at twilight for a it was called twilight <laughs> it about takes this, a hard pivot it's called yeah. breaking dawn mm-hmm. but it was i mean t- day watch ended fine 
there was it wasn't like a, on a cliffhanger, mm. but it was one of it we could have continued and gone on and it had some great Russian actors and great Russian locations, all the Moscow and stuff. It's just it's very cool and very different. Mm. Uh, back in point when Russia was, you know, a little less terrifying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, back when I went and visited it, um, but no, it was, it was just like a, like a miss up because the thing is you couldn't do it now. Mm. I think the the boat is sailed as well. It's, it's mm. far too uh, by. It needed to be done a couple of years afterwards. Maybe let them do it like once or something like that, but then come back and do finish it or something. So yeah, Twilight Watch would me would have been the different one. If you haven't seen Night Watch, watch a trailer for it alone. It and the, oh god, if you can watch a version with the actual proper subtitles because this was the thing I really enjoyed. The rather than just being white or yellow text at the bottom of the screen, there's one thing where this woman or this vampiric woman is summoning this this kid, this boy, and uh, I think her name's Anton. And she says, come to me or something like that. And all the subtitles will see that on screen, like glowing red, and then just sort of bled into this water on oh, screen. Oh, that's cool. It was so fucking cool. And the same way that so I it's think... it's not like you said, it's not just box text. No, kind of like, no. Yeah. It was, I think it was, I might be Fox who had the right it to it. like a graphic some, novel or something. It, like it kind yeah. of was, yeah. And the thing is that Tony Scott kind of ran with that when he did like um, Man on Fire and stuff like that. It was a few bits of pieces like that, which made it more visually, vis- vis- visually interesting, um, but more visceral uh, for... Audience. Because I mean, the problem is if you're looking at the lower third for so long, you miss what's going on in the actual mm. picture sometimes. So yeah, it would have been really nice to see if they're one of those, and we ain't never going to get it. Yeah, I, I remember watching um, Nightwatch in the cinema, and I think it was on one of these like weird TV early, yeah, yeah, early preview screenings where you don't quite know what you're going to see. Mm. Um, and one of one of the kind of big bugbears I have of modern cinema is that I don't think that we're using half as much visual creativity as we should when it comes to visualising kind of superpowers and oh, or yeah. supernatural yeah. powers. Um, I think we get, we've get we got quite lazy and boring with CGI and that film has just buckets. Because as, as much as it is a big budget film and has decent CGI and stuff, mm-hmm. it's also doing a lot of like smart in-camera stuff or yes. things with lighting or camera angles to tell uh, to to portray special abilities and stuff like that that Mm -hmm. i think just have not been picked up on by kind of the rest of cinema and should Mm. have been um olga's transformation from a owl to a woman Mm. which is a combination of just really erratic flash cut stuff and um some mostly sound design but then just Mm. cutting to mid makeup stuff um so like part bird face then say don't look at me and it was just, yeah, just really creative things. And mm. you're right with all the different powers and things. Yeah, I like it. I'm disappointed now. Mm. By you, <laughs> by you, Tim. I've not seen any of this. Uh, oh, really? You've not seen? Oh, watch it, man. <laughs> uh, so my choice would be um, a little bit older uh, than the two that you've picked. Mm. Ben uh, Hur. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Smith goes to Washington. No, <laughs> um, no, I'd go back. I'd love to see. Uh, um, a sequel to Big Trouble in Little China. Fuck Ooh. yes. Um, which Interesting. I I have a feeling they might have done in comic book form. They Probably have yes, now, yes. yes. Um, recently. Yeah, enough, quite yeah. recently. But Dark Horse, I want to say. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Possibly IDW. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I think it's such a it's such a weird, fun film. And I would just love to do more in that universe. And it, and it, in fact... It, it it doesn't leave it on a cliffhanger, but it leaves it with Jack Burton driving off with uh. the with the, the the creature in his in the back of his truck, and 
I think it would be funny to just follow that story. You don't, I, th- I think it could be very much, you could almost have it be sort of like a modern pulpy Mad Max series mm. where you have Jack Burton as m- not necessarily the protagonist, but kind of the observer who just stumbles into all these weird adventures and is just kind of there, not really exactly wanting to deal with them. And not the, helping. And not well, particularly yeah, yeah. helping, yes. He's almost pop. the Jack Sparrow of it to kind of, before they fuck the series. Like yeah. <laughs> so keep big trouble, but in different situations and yeah. locations. Yeah. Big trouble in Little Italy. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, big big trouble in the Southwest and have him deal with like, sort of like Native American like I'm, I'm making a face now, Tim. Stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> or no, like no, I like that. That's good. I think Big Trouble could be like a deal with Native yeah. Americans. Deal with the Native Americans. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's his Western days. Installing inappropriate pipelines. <laughs> Have uh, I? I, I want to see. I want to see Kurt Russell fight a uh, um, a John Carpenter Chupacabra. Ooh. Oh wow! Now I was going to say Johnny Depp as uh, <laughs> Tonto. <laughs> but, um, no, Chip, that's really fucking cool. I like yeah. that a lot. Him, yeah. him in Mexico, it's like, well, Jack Burton used to say, "One cerveza, por favor." <laughs> <laughs> chupacabra. <laughs> I never. Yeah, that guy. Like, that, and that, that's. Sign me up. God yeah. damn it! Once again, we've annoyed ourselves. <laughs> Big trouble in New Mexico. So with this, yeah. goat sucker. We don't need no stinking. Goat sucker. <laughs> Who are you calling a sucker? Um, I think uh, would this be something you would have wanted to happen in the eighties onwards, or like yeah, go back? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I guess there's you could, could make arguments to do a kind of like an Ash versus Evil Dead like return. Oh yeah, um, yeah. or actually, fuck it, do a crossover. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell! Now we're talking Deadites. Now, yeah. now we're now we're thinking about comics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, yeah, I think I think I think something around that era, um, mm. because I think I'm trying to remember what the timeline is for John Carpenter, but what he does like post that, it's he, kind he of goes, goes into, into his, his wilderness years. Yeah, he goes into a bit of a Lovecraft stuff with Prince of Darkness and Math of Madness and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Um, and then he, it's, it's the 2000s is where it gets a little bit. Oh, yes, Ghosts of Mars, Ghost you say, Mars, <laughs> Jesus. Try I try to defend that film sometimes, but I can't. Nope. I love I love Carpenter, but mm. sometimes, 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 sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see, this is the thing, dear listeners. Um, this is why we will definitely return to this because there's too many things we would just love to talk about and mm, just absolutely. and celebrate yeah. and think. Oh, I fucking love the idea. Yeah. And again, it's nice when one of us says, "I don't think I've seen that." And you say, oh, you have to. And because, again, it's the same passion appeal to you guys. It's the idea of, like, you have to watch these films because they're fucking great. Mm-hmm. And there should have been more of them and, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. I think, I think you know, we, we often, <laughs> we spend so long talking about terrible, terrible films on here. Mm. But ultimately, we are people who love most cinema um, yes. or, or at least want to love. Um, and, you know, I think that's why we kind of picked the bad sequels to good films so we could talk about the good parts of the originals yes, yes. as well as just bad like if it was just bad films i think that we would get very depressed and cynical very oh, quickly yeah. um whereas this it's about picking out the gold um or celebrating what was good and before we kind of decry when yeah, it turned bad exactly um so yeah. yeah being able to just take a film that's good and then carry on yeah uh, Making the sequels to good movies. Yeah, good sequels <laughs> to good movies. Good sequels to good movies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we should have that on a show. 
Like picture of our face followed by we want love. Yeah. <laughs> we want to love. So our next question comes from Donovan Whitehouse, uh, who emailed us. He says he's uh, been listening since season one, really enjoyed season four, uh, and the format change worked well, which is always good to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and he particularly loved the sub-episode on Friday the 13th. Uh, he says, so my question is about Nightmare on Elm Street. See, critically, two and three are worse than one, uh, but even though two is a little contentious among horror fans for breaking rules later established, it is one of the only LGBT horror films, and three is often seen as one of, if not the best, nightmare films, uh, and four is where it started to suck. So where would you draw the line? Personally, I would change four. Uh, thanks for doing what you do. You're good sequel, boys. Uh, if I could bounce in to start with, mm. if you're happy with me to bounce off. Please, I have very little opinion bounce about away. this entire series. So, um, I don't like the Nightmare on Elm Street films. I think I was terrified of them as a child. I don't know if I've seen any of them. Really? Really? That's not necessarily too surprising. I, I know really Johnny Depp's in the first one. I think I've seen that He's a in bit. five or six as well, I think, actually. I Briefly also, in a camera. Yeah, sure. The only bits of um, Nightmare on Elm Street I've seen... Uh, we watched it during an English GCSE class. Wow. As part of a demonstration of how much sound was important in horror films. And I cannot... Wow. I cannot remember why we were talking about this. We went to the same fucking school. I don't remember that shit. Yeah. Um, uh, so we watched a sequence from Nightmare on Elm Street. I believe the first one. Mm. And then we watched it with no sound on. And it was just ridiculous. Um, yeah. Uh, is it like those music videos where they take this music out and it's just the sound effects of people just like slapping around, I mean, slapping kind, around and dancing? Yeah, and yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's about my sum total experience with the uh, the Nightmare franchise. Yeah. I, again, I was terrified of it as a child, even though I didn't actually watch the film mm. because it's it's genuinely terrifying for kids. But people are more scared of Freddy Krueger as children because like he's a terribly monstrous individual visually, mm. and he comes into your dreams and cuts you up with a hand made of knives or mm. well, not you know an instrument glove, but still garden shears or whatever they are. <laughs> yeah, with his spatula hand. Mm. Um, and so yeah, it's it's prime material. But then you watch it as an adult or a teenager and think this is fucking stupid. Mm. And more importantly, the uh, it's all about you know the creativity of the kills. And this is this is the kind of thing about Nightmare on Street. It's very visual. And sometimes the visuals are really fucking terrifying. I think it's in three. I agree by with 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 the uh, the question itself. Three is the best mm. of the franchise because it has some really. There's one guy who has his veins taken out and he's played like a puppet, like a marionette. That sounds cool. It's fucked up and it's all practical effect shit. So mm. it looks pretty horrible. Um, it's one with Patricia Arquette in that one. I actually think as well. She's yeah. pretty good. It's it's actually okay. Is it Dream Weavers, Dream, dream Hunters, Dream warriors. Smokers, Dream Warriors? Yeah. Um, and again, but the thing is, I don't give a fuck about that franchise. I don't care. But having said that, we will definitely get into it in a similar thing with the Friday the Thirteenth one. There's a good. I feel like those two are very much parallel in in that oh, yeah. kind of thing, aren't they? Where they have their weird peaks and troughs. And yes. seven's great, and five is the worst film ever made. And three <laughs> is surprisingly good, yeah. but two isn't good. So where do we sequelize it? And yeah. I think it's going to be along those similar kind of lines. Definitely, I'm going to actually have to go and watch these things as well. <laughs> Just yeah, or like <laughs> seven or eight of them. But at the same time. Personally, I would say I would just start with one and say, mm-hmm. right, one's fine. I get what's established here. Create a two. Do a bit. We'll do the Too Fast and Furious one. Mm-hmm. Just merge bits that have existed in the other ones already. Uh, like it fixes itself later on. So it bring kind that of, forward, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So of those sort of long-running franchises of of eighties and nineties horror, I think Nightmare on Elm Street is the one that 
appeals most to me because there is that kind of idea of creativity. Oh, but yeah, I'm also definitely. aware that it's the one that kind of becomes the most comedic as time goes on. And oh, do they get a bit silly? And oh, Freddy, yeah. Freddy Krueger becomes less of the kind of, as much as he's still the antagonist of the series, he becomes this very cartoonish figure. Um, and uh, it is true. He- and, it, and it's weird that you have this, murderous child molester who's kind of seen as like almost like the wacky neighbor yeah um there are lots of things where he like kills people but i think there's a oh, come on i can't remember which they all bleed into one for me but there's one where there's a deaf guy and so he goes into his dreams like oh you can't hear it in his typical usual stupid way and then he's he pierces his eardrum then creates a new eardrum which is extra sensitive and drops some pins he's like oh god i'm in so much pain and then he scratches his his claw hand on against a chalkboard mm. And then his head explodes, and you're like, "Yeah," but it's all done very camp. So inventive, chalkboard, and it's like, but it's so camp and and a Mm. bit silly with it. It doesn't actually. It's not scary anymore. Mm. Whereas in the first film, especially, he's shot in shadow a lot, and it's quite like, "Oh, this is this is uncomfortable." And again, the most iconic image in that film, in my opinion, is the sort of uh, the rubber replacement wall, basically, where he nancy's asleep and he's pushing himself through yes mm-hmm. fucking yeah. great yeah. and is is it in the first one as well where you have the claw coming out of the bath yes in the bathtub yeah, yeah which again is a great crotch jaws yeah yeah jaws the fish <laughs> the <From> shark the... <laughs> fish whatever <laughs> marsupial i don't know <laughs> jaws the marsupial in your jaws pouch yeah yeah, so uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, we should come back to in another episode, but do a full breakdown. Definitely will, yeah. Especially considering you guys haven't seen a lot of them, if any of them, then yeah, I think we can go back and actually some really awesome commentaries and say, wow, this is fucking terrible. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Our next question comes from Esther Langenbacher via Gmail, sending us in a lovely little message on our email inbox. Good afternoon, gents. A question here from long-time listener. Although, admittedly, I have to catch up on the recent season, so I hope I'm not making a fool of myself in case it's already come up. You haven't. It's fine. Yeah. I'm genuinely curious in what movie each of you would have loved to play a part in, and what part would that be? Keep it up, and thanks for the informative entertainment. Cheers from the Netherlands! The Netherlands! Yeah. International listeners, baby. <laughs> I like it. Thank you very much, Esther. Bloody good question. It is. A, I, I commented when this came out. I thought that's a fucking great question. I had a real problem with it though. You didn't narrow it down at all. <laughs> there were like fifteen different options. Um, well, no. The problem was I was thinking to myself, like, well, I know what I would like to be involved in, mm. but then I'd have to take out an actor who's good and replace <laughs> him with me. And I'm like, well, no, oh, you could replace an actor who's bad. And yeah, who wants to do that? But so <laughs> before you jump in, then my my example is exactly go for it, that. Go for it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I want to be Javert in Les Mis because oh. Russell Crowe's shite and I love Les Mis. I don't know if you guys knew that about me. I'm a, a big I Les Mis fan. I did know that. Guy. I did know that. I keep threatening that we're going to perform the confrontation song at a oh, social yeah, event. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, we've been that a couple of times. I tried to do that with Alec on stage with Monster City as well. Mm. And I would just turn, turn around and go, at last, Valjean! And he'd like, have to play along as we look like idiots. And then, Brilliant. Yeah, but it never actually happened. But maybe at a sequelizer's live show, mm. one, either Tim or I will surprise the other. <laughs> I like that. So, yeah. Look at I, this man. <laughs> I would like to be Javert and wander around dressed up like Britney Spears and look down on... Uh, that took a turn. The, the very, in the opening scene, he's got the blue, like, stewardess outfit from Toxic. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's quite a famous meme does, that he's yeah. dressed like Britney Spears. Oh, my apologies. In yeah. the look down, look down, that oh, bit, yeah, yeah, the yeah. opening scene. I've mm. seen seen too many of Lamer's memes. My favourite one is where there's a cat trying to read a newspaper and Javert's just peering in the window. <laughs> I save, it's the only one saved from my phone that I can send my wife all the time. It's fucking brilliant. I also hate how Russell Crowe says the word itinerary in that film. He just says itinerary and it drives me mental because <laughs> he tries to squeeze in the amount of syllables. Itinerary. Oh, yeah, no, I say Follow it. to the letter your itinerary. Like, uh, that's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oof. I mean, yeah. Anyway, I yeah. think I think I'm a Miney Granger, and I'm Chauffeur, <laughs> and I'm Chauffeur. I think uh, I think Tom Hooper is is the main culprit of the badness of that film, but Russell Crowe's definitely Agreed. a major. I like that film. Runner up. I like that film. I like. Tom I Hooper. like that film way more than I should do. I'm looking forward to Cats. I'm looking. For, I'm looking forward to cats. It's gonna oh, be a fucking steak. <laughs> Why aren't we going to see cats for all? It's not out yet. We can. <laughs> we can do as well. Sequelizers yeah. does cats. Yeah. I know literally nothing about cats. There's cats nothing is to know. Shit. <laughs> I know there's a guy called Mr. Mustopheles. Shit. It's, it's, and there's a song that goes magical Mr. Mustopheles. <laughs> that's all I know. Fucking awful. I hate it. I um, thought Aristocats and cats were the same thing for about fifteen wow. years. Aristocats is so much better yeah, than... I, I don't agree. even particularly care about Aristocats. No. So. Uh, yeah, Cats is basically a list. Someone said, list. oh, okay, now that Cats is a film, here's the things you need to know about it, and they list all the characters. And someone said, incidentally, that's also the plot. Yeah. <laughs> they just... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is... It's, it's a list of names. It's an hour and a half of Cats introducing themselves, and then one of them, <laughs> then one of them gets... One Dead of them is. dies and gets resurrected. What? That's it. That's what the whole thing. Fuck. And not re- not really oh resurrected. It's like uh, they regenerate, like the Doctor, because they get they get a new form. That's true. What is Mister Mistopheles like? Mixelplick from the DC universe. This <laughs> weird interdimensional sprite. Oh, so I need to see this film now. I'm fascinated. It's it's worth a watch. Because it's going to be terrible. It's going to be a train wreck. We, and, need, we need to see it together. And the thing is, as well, for all the visuals and accomplishments and achievements they've made, I'm like, you could have done this with practical effects. Yeah. I don't I don't get it. Oh, those cats are so good. The trailer's so creepy. <laughs> but it's so it, well done, but it's so creepy. When you see it in the cinema, it's not as bad. I don't believe you. Oh, fuck but, you. But then also the cats from, like, the stage musical cats are creepy. <laughs> oh, fucking absolutely, stupid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Um... Anyway. No, so, so Javert. <laughs> so back Javert. to Javert. Javert the cat. I, I'm the real Javert. You Would need. you play him not, as not a cat? Crow. <laughs> I play him as a cat. And I'm a cat. <laughs> it almost, I, and I'm a jiggle, Mr. Mustafa, If you'd have told me that, like, like back in the sort of like early 90s when you had the, like, like this Willy Fogg cartoons and stuff. Oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah, there's actually a, a version of, Les, like, some French anime version of Les Mis where they're all, like, cats and, yeah. and animals. I, I would just be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's inevitable. Yeah. Uh, any, other, any other ideas about who you want to play? What part yeah, you want like to play? Yeah, Tim, to me or you? You go, you go for it. Ah, pitch to me. Yeah. Right, cool. So I took this in two parts. Uh, being a director, my mindset is, oh, I, 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 I want to take the part of a director. I want to direct something. Um, and then I'll talk about acting. So we'll, to bounce off, we'll talk about acting first. I, yeah, I pitched a few, to be honest. Um, my initial thing is it's very difficult because it's like well do you mean at the time because i was been i was obviously younger not really proper <laughs> the role but if it was me traveling back to a point i kind of would like to be rasputin in hellboy 
Because Working with Del Toro would be it's fucking on amazing. Brand. Yeah, yeah, it's on brand for you. I think I could do that as well. It's one of those sort of like that would be possible for me to actually perform and go, no, I can, I can make that you've, work. You've got the look. i got the look. Bald head and the beard. Yeah. Um, alternatively, I would really like to be Hannibal Chow in Pacific Rim. Nice. Because I think that, uh, yeah, the, the Ron Perlman one. I yeah. don't know why. It's just it's just a small element of a film where it looks you like it's a lot of fun. You want to be either replacing Ron Perlman or on screen with Ron Perlman. <sighs> Isn't that destiny for most yeah, people? <laughs> pretty much. If you were Hannibal Chow, you might also get to keep those amazing golden those shoes that you have. Oh, yeah. I would have shoes. the most cowboy boots, though. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like, kind of have golden cowboy boots, and they'd be like, yeah, of course you can, man. And I'm like, thanks, thanks a lot. <laughs> um, thanks, Del Toro. Thanks, Del Toro. He's like, it's fine, man. You talk like that now. Um, Do you wish you had the relationship with Del Toro that Perlman does? Is that what you're saying? No, I couldn't, I couldn't live up to that. Is it, you know when people say like, oh, who would you have at the dinner party, for, alive or dead? And you're like, oh, well, I'd have to have like, I don't know, um... Julius Caesar, fuck off. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck about your stupid party or you. If you have three really interesting people from history and you, what the <laughs> fuck are you bringing to that conversation other than the tea? So you, I always terrified by that. You have to you have to have people who are from the distant past because then you're the you're impressive thing you have is oh yeah I have running water yeah, and like phone. yeah look at this phone and immunity and immunity to uh, yeah toxins from the past like. Yeah, polio. I don't have dysentery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? Are you, what have you got, Thomas Jefferson? Yeah, yeah. Fucking slave owning. Oh no, Constitution. Right, we went yeah. invented the swivel chair. That's pretty good. Yeah, um, that's true. Sure. <laughs> you don't know enough. Next time you're Thomas wheeling Jefferson. around your office, thank Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. I shall not. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse. Uh, the director role is. I would like to have directed Assassin's Creed. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, if the, anyone knows anything about Matt, is that boy loves a bit of Assassin's Creed. I do. I love He's the entire wall dedicated to it. I do. We all know. Everyone looked at it. Turned and looked. Um, you yeah. Have every game, every novel, every graphic novel. Kind of, yeah. And a statue from each game mounted on a bookcase in the very room we're recording in. It's very true. Your, your fiance has a tattoo. Yeah. I haven't got a tattoo yet. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um,. No, I think Kurtzel did a good job. Not going to get into it, but I think it could have been better and I could have done a better job. That's a very mm. arrogant thing to say. But I would like to have been afforded the opportunity to do a better job as a fan of the franchise and someone who wouldn't have just gone, I'll make the first game again or I'll do this. So no, no, no. I think we can just... I know it works for the game specifically. And I know people are like, Ugh, the real world stuff is boring. Mm. Just give us a story that's interesting in the past kind of shit and do a lot of nods to assassin things yeah no i I, so i'd I'd say those are my two answers uh thank you very much tim um so yeah i i was i kind of was thinking about what film sets i would have liked to have hung out on oh interesting Um, twist i like it so the russ meyer (laughs) super vixens (laughs) so i i came up with a few options um i thought uh oceans 11 Seems like it would have been a very fun and and the sequels. I hear that Clooney likes pranks. Clooney likes pranks, but I quite like pranks too. Oh. So I could have got in on that action. I thought about maybe being one of the the like the Mormon brothers characters. Yeah, yeah. But then I because it would have been good to replace Casey Affleck because then Casey Affleck isn't in the film. <laughs> but then <laughs> I thought James Caan's there. But, still. Then, but then then I'd have to hang out with James Caan. Yeah. Um, or I could replace James Caan, but then I'd have to hang, hang out, out with, with Casey, Casey Affleck. Affleck. So yeah. in the st- instead could I went... Could I potentially pitch an idea here? Just we, don't do, we don't do pitching on this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. 
Well, I'm going to do it anyway. Jump, oh, radical jump in. Thing. Go on. I think you should replace James Khan. And the healing effect of being a friend with Tim makes you a better person. So maybe you make Cassie Affleck a better person. <laughs> maybe. Just, um, just saying alternate history. In in the end, I, I said I'd uh, replace Livingston Dell, yes. the tech guy. Um, I like it. And mm. uh, but but he he uh, the um, the other option or one of the other options I had was uh, replacing Elijah Wood in the faculty. That's a I like that, which I I think could have won. But I think ultimately, if I'm thinking of what I'm best suited for. Uh, I would have replaced the character of Richardson in Hot Rod. He's the Asian dude. He's the Asian dude who just has a scene where he stands around dancing for a while. That does and that's mean. very on brand for me. I agree. And and I would have got to like hang out with Andy Sandberg, Sandberg mm. and Bill Hader and you know a lot of funny people. You would have seen that stunt that went wrong. Yes. Oh, yeah. Hot yeah. Rod, that's the kind that of thing. kept in the film. Yeah. <laughs> if it goes fucking terrible, keep it in the film. Unless yeah. it's the crow, in which case, yeah, destroy that footage immediately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I like that. That's a good shout. Yeah. It's a really difficult one because you do, as you say, like, what's your motivation? Is it mm. to correct a horrible Russell Crowe shape wrong? Is mm. it to have a good time? Or is it to think, yeah, I could do that, maybe? Mm. I like we, all, we all took a different angle. Yeah. Is, yeah. Classic sequelizers. Our next question comes from Isaac via our Gmail once again. Hey, so my thoughts on season four. Genuinely, I didn't enjoy the change in format as much as the contest. Not because I preferred the competition, but because I enjoyed hearing the more solidly formed proposals slash storytelling. In this season, it's felt like you've never really come to a conclusion on a better sequel, only discussing each failing point in the original and offering counterpoints. That said... I still listened and enjoyed the show, just not for the same reasons I originally came to the show for. Regards, Isaac. It's a fair comment that we've heard a lot. Yeah, we've had this we've had this kind of feedback and criticism a couple of times from people saying, Oh, I don't particularly like the new format. I still like the show, but it is a very different show from when it started, which is undeniable at this point, I think. True. Um, because we came in with obviously five people, two teams of two and blah blah. It was much more of a kind of panel game show almost style thing. Yeah. And now it's much more of a kind of, I think you pitched it as kind of like inside the writer's room kind of thing, Matt, mm, where yeah. it's the behind the scenes creative thing of us getting the juices flowing and things like that. But I think it's something we do want to address. Yeah, of course. And we appreciate people coming and listening to the show and saying, hey, I like this, but I don't like this. Do you think this could work for you guys? Do you think you could move in this direction or whatever? And I think for season five, with the three of us, we're going to be moving in different directions. Obviously, we're now just the three of us. Mm. So that makes a difference there as well. And that means we're going to shift things around. The format's going to shift ever so slightly. It's an evolving kind of work in progress kind of thing. Mm. And yeah, we'll definitely take that on board. Mm. Yeah, I think that it was never a flippant or cavalier movement on our part to evolve it into the way it eventually became. It was out of necessity and just trial and error. Um, So, uh, obviously, we've had things like... The idea of writing these endlessly huge pitches took so long. And it's not like we're being like, oh, it's so difficult. But obviously, we do day job stuff in the meantime. And there's lots of stuff going on in our lives and blah, 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 blah. But we just don't have the time to do it properly in that way. We'd obviously love to, obviously. Mm. But it requires quite an in-depth bit of... um, preparation and you know that kind of pre-work mm. on top of that it then became really really long so we ended up splitting them up but people didn't like the split either so they, it, we always try and feel what works best and we're never saying like no you want us you have to understand you motherfuckers this is it it's one nine hour show because that's how it has to be 
or you know we, we're split in two and one's the story one's the the preamble it's just what we are trying to make work but at the same time it comes also out of a uh, a, a place of what works for us and what is interesting for you guys so mm. we're not just going to say fuck you you're wrong we're going to say well this is the reason it's changed mm. i'd like to think at least yeah um and for us this reason is because we are looking to do basically more a, a fucking we'll talk about this later but a fuck ton more yeah and as such season five's gonna be big gonna be big gonna be huge um i went a bit trumpy then yeah you it's gonna be huge huge um <laughs> It's going to be good. That was a bit too good as well. <laughs> Shit. Um, no, it's, it's going to be very good. Uh, but at the same time, it's going to be a lot of work. And that's without the idea of, you know, enormous. I mean, Tim did come close this season with uh, with the X-Men pitch, which mm. we then had to say, well, we can't read all this out, Tim. You have yeah. to... and it, obviously, again, as, uh, as always, that shit's on Patreon. So if you are supporting on Patreon, you can have a read of it. And it's very, very good. Um, and again, sometimes we will just compel to write that stuff. But if we don't always have the time, we're trying to make the schedule and the deadline thing. Sometimes you don't have the opportunity to do that stuff, and it's it's unfortunate. But um, yeah, and, and same thing with like with the idea of the collaboration because there was the idea of uh, a three, a group of three, and Jack as the host. It became more of a collaborative thing. But but yeah, it it shifts. I think we're definitely you know we've we like I say we we we're always willing to hear um, feedback, especially when it's you know done in a. A polite fashion and not just someone yelling at us on Twitter. True. Um, and I think, you know, all of us are passionate about film. And I think if we could, we would spend our whole day writing film pitches. Um, if we could do this full time, that would be amazing. Yes. I and mean, it would, would be insane. <laughs> um, so I think uh, it's and, and I think <clears throat> we'd like to go more in depth. And I think we're going to hopefully kind of move the show to a position where we can do slightly more in-depth pitches and still have that kind of improv well not improvisational but a loose feeling where you you get to see you get more of the insights into how we're coming to the decisions at the same time yeah. um so we're trying to f- find that way to kind of strike a balance and also not murder ourselves in the process yeah it's it's avoiding avoiding burnout while still having a good time with it and showing some interesting um, I mean, we should point this out. Most people who've said, uh, I'm not really I'm not okay with the few changes have all sort of ended with, I still really like it. And that's always a really nice comforting yeah, interest to yeah. hear, which is always very supportive and things. Mm. Even if people don't like it, I mean, not encouraging people to switch off because we keep shifting things and turning things up and we do take these things on board. Um, it's just trying to find what works. The problem is you can't course correct mid-season. So we end up yeah. having to... We could thing. do, but I think it would be a It mistake. would be very disorienting. Yeah. 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 But that's kind of why we, we enjoy the season model as well, is because yes. we get a little chance to kind of collate and go through all your, the feedback that you've given us and to make these decisions and, and sort of say, like, okay, well, you know, let's let's head back in that direction or let's try something slightly new and mm. uh, let's bring in more structure or let's try a little less structure. And, and yeah. so um, hopefully we're going to keep shining it down to a to a fine sheen until it's a, a diamond a diamond mm. of pure sequelizing power i think that's how diamonds work for sure yeah it is you push and push and push until it's a diamond yeah just you know over millennia and lots of and then you have to remember cult. not to flush yeah <laughs> fucking <laughs> true <laughs> and then you push that diamond into tim's face and say you're wrong tim <laughs> and that's how we knife fight to the death so our next question comes from uh kieran golding via twitter who asks, 
Will you ever tackle an MCU film? And if so, will you look at them as separate film entities based on their franchise? For example, Iron Man 2 as part of an Iron Man trilogy rather than as an MCU film. In short, yes, we will. We will tackle some MCU films at some point. And they're all kind of sequels at this point. I can kind of see what you mean, but I feel like we could do a bit of both because you've got the Avengers films, which very much tie into, say, for example, we tackle Age of Ultron. A lot of people love the first Avengers. Not many people like the second one. Mm. It's also kind of a sequel to everything that happens in phase two. So you've got to take that into a kind of bring that, bring that baggage with you as well, I guess. But yes, we will do. Yeah, we will fix some Marvel movies at some point. Don't worry. I think that the Marvel movies present a kind of fascinating challenge and and must do to any screenwriter who's tackling them because you do, you have all of these different agendas going in uh, of what has happened previously and of what is lined up in the future to happen. And so it's almost like having a kind of strict poetic form that you have to make your words fit into. Um, you have so many different kind of moving parts to take into account. And so coming into something like Age of Ultron, we would have to think, okay, right, where are all the the established characters? Where are they in their character arcs? And then we know that we've got to set up, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, we've got to introduce, you know, make sure that this gets recognized as the Mind Stone or whatever. Mm. Um, it would be, a, I think it'd be fascinating to do whatever one you do. Um, you know, obviously some are, easier to sequelize than others because they're a little bit more disconnected um yeah you've got the kind of got the butterfly effect haven't you in mm. a lot of ways like god we need to fix the fuck out of thor dark world oh that ties heavily into everything because that's got one of the infinity stones and yeah. uh, it's it's yeah. like chucking a very large rock into a river it'll disrupt it for a while but it has to still go back to the end so for example like mm. the age of ultron Things still need to end exactly the way they ended in order for everything to make sense. You can't say, like, mm. okay, then we're going to introduce this story. You can't because it might still come up and... And Kang shows up. And you're yeah, like, you yeah, can't just can't introduce do Kang of the Conqueror. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's 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 very difficult. So basically, it's it's the 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 minor course correction of how mm. can we... I think the biggest change for that one easily is just don't make Ultron's face move. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I... More James Spader. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I could... Um talk about age of ultron all day i just um i just threw that as an example let's not signalize it right now true true (laughs) um it was i i just did um the the very slow kind of retrospective that i'm doing with my friend alex we've we did age of ultron um fairly recently i don't think we've written it up yet but it's a fascinating mess of a film um and you can really sense the number of different agendas that are going on there very much um and I think a lot of people are like, oh, you know, studio interference. They should have just let Joss Whedon do what he wanted. And I would say, like, no, because there's a bunch of stuff that clearly Joss Whedon wanted to do that doesn't work either. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's just a real mess. I think that's probably the one that is the most ripe for sequelizing. Mm-hmm. You could uh, maybe Thor: The Dark World. Um, yeah, there's a there's a there's a, a lot of MCU Ant-Man options. I don't like Ant Man and Wasp. Do I. I didn't like that it's film very much fine. at all. Did I, Ant-Man, be fair. I liked first Ant Man. So. But you're right. We we yes, can cover this for a long period of time. Yeah. We, yeah. But so, yeah. As as you said earlier, Jack. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll cover it. <laughs> we'll In short, there. yes, we yes. will. Yeah. Next up, we have a question from Andrew Steen via Facebook. If you could rewrite an entire trilogy, 
which one would you pick? The obvious answer, Star Wars prequels, of course. But I mean trilogies that even had a decent movie in them. Maybe even two decent movies. If I had the chance, I would go back to the future. Hear me out. I love the first movie. Two is okay. Three I can pass on. A few bits of dialogue that need changing is a good start. Anyway, love the podcast and can't wait to hear your answers. It's the bits of dialogue the word time travel replaced with the word <laughs> I hope so. That would be impressive. I hope so. My obvious answer, the Hobbit trilogy. Yeah. Because yeah. fucking hell. The Lord of the Rings trilogy, as we talked about we on did, a recent episode, is one of my favourite things that's ever been made in cinema in general. Yeah, It was yeah. at the perfect time for me. I'd read the books. I was a huge fantasy nerd. It just captured me in a way that very few other things have. Yeah. And fucking hell did they get it wrong with The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. They got basically everything wrong from, oh, let's take what we love from Lord of the Rings and just ignore all of that. Mm-hmm. Make it loads of weird wobbly CGI bullshit and stuff. <laughs> just I would do that in such a different way. First of all, I wouldn't make it a trilogy because no. it's a fucking children's book <laughs> that's like... 250 pages long or whatever it is. Mm. But good lord. Yeah. The Hobbit is definitely my answer. I think it's a good one. Would you would you do a Guillermo del Toro original Hobbit 2 films or would you think give Peter Jackson time to do it properly and not have him like Galadriel and Gandalf are definitely fucking. <laughs> <laughs> we need a love scene. Yeah. Triangle with a dwarf and an elf and a Legolas. It's like, yeah. wait, what? You need a sexy dwarf that just looks like a bloke. Oh, fuck. I, the same with Evangeline Lily, which is perfect, where she says, I don't want to be in a love triangle. And they said, no worries. She she specifically asked yeah. for no love triangles. And they were like, no, we, there's no love triangle in The Hobbit. That'd be ridiculous. Yeah. There's a love triangle now. But, yeah, there's like, come back for reshoots. Oh, look, it's mm-hmm. a fucking love triangle. Shit. So, yeah, so would you be Jackson or someone else? Um, After seeing what he made, I don't know if I trust Peter Jackson. Difficult, isn't it? Yeah. So I might go Del Toro, because he would do it. Practically and interesting and something a little bit different. So yeah, darker too. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. How about you guys? Uh, my one is I don't think it's controversial. Uh oh. But my statement will become controversial. Uh oh. The Cornetto trilogy. Oh. Because mm. we all know my opinions of Edgar Wright. Um, Top bloke, lovely. Uh, gives gives money to charity, kisses babies. I don't know if that's true. Really. I'm I've heard baby. nothing but great things about. No, Edgar Wright's a famous asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. Again, I, I I think he's very capable at very specific things. Um, I enjoyed Shaun of the Dead. Whenever came out of the cinema, jizzing themselves over. It, I thought it's fine. That was me. I was jizzing everywhere. I, I thought it was okay. <laughs> Hot Fuzz film. was better. I thought it was um, better structure, more ambitious, and really good. But that's the nature of a second film. You got more budget. That makes mm. complete sense. And then the big debate and World's End. And it's like, oh my God. Oh, the big there's a gap between the three. And it's like, when are they going to do the third in the Cornetto trilogy? The Mint one. And this fucking World's End. And I hated it so much. Everything that was slightly nauseating or, or could have been a little bit more irksome about the first two films was magnified. Everything that thought had been, you know, interesting was, was in fact not. All, all the problems were, as I say, blown up to the hype. Like the idea of like female characters being badly written. Mm action scenes being great but no real purpose for them being there the whole film dictated in the first five minutes of the movie and then played out endlessly you know yeah it's great and i really have a problem with the um uh, the day the earth stood still thing about alien coming down and saying like you are fucking things up 
you need to stop. And the reaction went, ah, fuck yeah. Fuck off, fuck off. Yeah, fuck off, fuck off. And Bill Nye is going, leaving. I hate this. I hate this so much. There's some really interesting stuff about the nature of um, just mental health and all sorts of things, but mm. it's just pissed on so much. So I would rewrite that, specifically the third one, but I would actually do a lot of punch-up on the first two and make them better. Oh. And I don't mean I would make them better, but I'd get better things in to make them better. I'd get maybe a bit more diversity. Maybe take out the <laughs> N-word from Shaun of the Dead. Oh my God, that is yeah. in there. Yeah, Nick Frost says oh the N-word. Oh my God, I completely forgot about that. That was the coolest thing when I was younger and I realised, Oh, that's not that's not that's okay. not cool, man. No. Yeah, shit. Mm-hmm. Encouraged yeah. a generation of little white boys to be like, "Hey, I'm gonna say that word because he said it on the film." Yeah. Nope. No. So there are things I would I would definitely fix, basically. Mm-hmm. Um. So that would be my choice, and I would make the ice creams more important. Because <laughs> <laughs> very definitively the cornetto. Trilogy. Very specifically, mm-hmm. just yeah, cornetto. Fair enough. Because the fuck me the the throw a bit in the in in World's End mm. where um, Nick Frost about how the world's a bit different and then the rapper goes and he just flies past the fence. I thought that is bullshit. Yeah, I'm not saying that we needed it as a little you know like like mm. the, you know the the Star Wars fan suckling on the teeth saying where's my fucking Jawas? Um, it's not Star Wars without Jawas. Um, it's just the idea of like no this needed to be something rather than just throw away. Ha there it is. Fuck you. I feel it's always a slap in the face of the audience, and that's mm. always a bit, yeah. Agreed. So that's what I would tackle. Tim, what about you? Um, so I would like... Uh, the, the the one that kind of leapt out to me first was the J.J. Abrams Star Trek Ooh, ones. Oh, good choice. Yeah, Which because, may come up in the future. Very yes. likely. Um, because, yeah, I think <laughs> that's uh, sandwiched by two decent films... With a big stinking turd in the middle. <laughs> agreed. Um, Thoroughly agreed. I gave a high review at the time, but I, I acknowledge there are a lot of problems with Indonesia, mm. so I'm not getting that. Um, another one I thought of was uh, Beverly Hills Cop, yeah. which I generally enjoy, but is the most tonally and thematically inconsistent series of films. <laughs> it's yeah. basically three different films that happen to have all the same characters in it. <laughs> um, it would be interesting to try and... like and And... I can kind of understand that from the way that films, especially comedies, were made at the time and yeah. action comedies where, like, nobody went into the first one thinking, this is going to spawn a trilogy. Mm. Um, but it would be interesting to try and just kind of make them line up a little bit more um, and to to maybe have a little bit more depth to them. Yes. Um, but the... Uh, and this is kind of ignoring our there has to be one good film in there option, but... Mm. Um, the one that I'd really like to go a uh, go at is the Dungeons and Dragons films. I love Fuck. that. Yes, yeah. uh, because there there was a trilogy of them. Yes, <laughs> I didn't two, even realize there was a third one. Two, yeah, two, two, two of them were straight to DVD, or possibly I think the the second one might have had a very limited theatrical release. Possibly, I but don't know um, God, what awful films! I remember yeah. I was rewatching the Dungeons and Dragons film. Uh, why? I don't really remember why, mm. um, but I was watching it with a group of people, and that was kind of the best way to watch it. And oh, I, that, I was okay. just screaming at the television. I imagined you alone in this room, half, <laughs> halfway across, just staring at that screen. I have it on DVD in the other room. Fucking I mean, I kind of want to rewatch it because when I watched it the first time around, I didn't really know anything about Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, it's terrible! And so I'd like to go the into you know. it with an awareness of like what references they are making that the fans quote unquote can enjoy um, <laughs> yeah no but but yeah god what i mean just it's, you've it's, got yeah 
I mean, it, and Dungeons and Dragons is obviously in a very different place now than it was when those oh, films came out. Massively so, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And, like, and, and those films obviously did not do very well at the cinema and kind of sank without a trace. But I also think they've kind of... I reckon if you tried, if you went to a major studio now and were like, look at these numbers, like there's a lot of more people who are interested in D&D, like look at this, you know, look at the money, the critical role people bring in. Just bring some of them in and it'll be like the biggest TV and film Kickstarter ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's critical role. And and if you point... Sorry. And now commissioned by Amazon for multiple seasons. Yeah, Mm. yeah. It's like insane and it's people talking yeah yep. and and if you if you pointed at all that to a to a hollywood executive and were like now is the like the time is right that the rights are not going to cost you that much yep. like there's lots of these <clears throat> fra- like you know all the kind of there's several big franchises that are dying off there's no big fantasy franchise that's going on at the moment and said let's make a dungeons and dragons film they'd point to these ones and go now nah, it doesn't fucking work yeah um and is there sex in like game of thrones yeah uh, especially considering that Again, watching the Dungeons and Dragons film, I was screaming at the television with this group of people saying, mm. "This is a year before Lord of the Rings." Mm. And Jesus Christ! It shows yeah. how much Lord of the Rings influenced fantasy and how mm. we see it now in terms of realism and shoot mm. it like it's properly done. And then, and as you say, that kind of Dungeons and Dragons effect with like if you had like a, a studio now mm. would probably do something good with it if they didn't say that piece of shit back then. Yeah. It looks so made for TV. Mm. It's fucking atrocious. Yeah. That's just the first one I should point out, um, <laughs> and they only get better. Yeah, it's it's weird because to be fair, I, again, there's nothing about Game of Thrones I always bring up because any producer who says, "Oh, I know what the where it's going," no, you fucking don't. Shut your face. Yeah, <laughs> but Game of Thrones, it was the big fantasy thing of late. Mm. I think it's fair to say. Before that, we had like multiple Kickstarter attempts, like oh, like oh, uh, Aragon. It's like <laughs> uh, no, and you just fall. Into Percy every- Jackson and the oh, Lightning oh, Thief. Yeah, that was disappointing. But yeah, mm. there's always different attempts. And it's like, is it Lord of the Rings? No. Oh, it's Hobbit. Is that Lord of the Rings? Also, no. Fucking hell. Shit. Mm. Um, so that's kind of the point. Mm. I, I think, I think, yeah, Tim's right. I think that'd be a really solid one. Really good. But again... We're all huge not, Dungeons and Dragons fans as well, which yeah, helps. Yeah, we're biased. Not, not a film where the first one... Is, not a trilogy where the first one is good. Or any of them. Well, no, but... From the ground yeah, up. I, I think yeah. that's, that's fair. And that's... I hope that's... I think it's in the, within the remit of the question. I think. I think so. Yeah. If you feel that your question wasn't answered, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I could have made a I could have made a hot fuzz reference. <laughs> Jog on, that's kind of what yeah. I did. No, well, well done. So we've got a question here from Joe via uh, via email. Uh, he says, "Hello, sequel people, or perhaps seek seek peeps, seek peeps, seek peeps." Um, I mean, none of us are seek as far as I know. Matt's <laughs> very blatantly Catholic. Yep. Tim, any particular li- religious leanings? Uh, no, yeah. just just straight up atheist. I'm so what I'm hearing is potential seek. Potential seek. <laughs> Who knows? What I hear is potential conversion to Catholicism. <laughs> um, I've been listening for a long time. I discovered the podcast through Ashens, the Internet Man, but I honestly love the cooperative effort as opposed to its previous Team V Team iteration. So you know, takes all kinds. Um, <laughs> uh, keep up the good work. Really enjoy the current remit and vibe of the show. I've actually had the bones of this email rattling around in my head since you announced the Men in Black episode on Twitter. Oh, that feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> I have a rather simple conjecture that sequels can go in one of three directions. Direct sequel, prequel, or spin-off. All very obvious. My proposition is that no film series allows all three vectors as well as the Men in Black. And then Joe has some 
very good ideas here about kind of how those all work for the Men in Black series. But we'll we shall jump over them. But they are they are I quite I quite liked his oh, ideas. Like good, I thought yeah, they were good. Yeah. Um, he said, well argued. Yes, uh, I've struggled to think of a film series that better offers these three avenues. Block, uh, Ghostbusters can't offer a prequel. Indiana Jones couldn't support a spin-off, etc. Perhaps the Fast and the Furious, but only after you would introduce more characters. Uh, Fast and Furious has literally done those three things. Yeah, yeah. Um, now had the Hobbs and Shaw's the spin-off, Tokyo Drift's the prequel, other sequels, the rest of them basically. Yep. So yeah. Um, so yeah. So. Uh, uh, and then he says, just to discredit all my opinions on film, uh, he prefers The Mummy 1999 to Indiana Jones, which I don't think is a controversial opinion at nope, all. I bang on about it all the time. Mummy's great. Yeah, Mummy's great. And Rick O'Connor is yeah. better than um, Indiana Jones as a character. Yeah. I know it's the same thing. I know it's a carbon copy print, but Ben Brent Fraser is more charming and interesting than, I'm going to fucking hit you in the face and don't tell my family. Part time. And then, and, then it, time. and then in the second film, he has that great quality that we hardly ever get to see in Action Heroes, which is really fucking loves his wife and is not ashamed about it. Yeah. Um, Massively into his wife and a good dad, arguably, yeah. most of the time. That kid's a shit. Yeah, that kid is terrible. And then we talk about the third film. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So we agree with you on that one as well. Yeah. Um, with regards to the spin-off f- f- prequel sequel thing, mm. we actually had some ideas. So uh, X-Men is my go-to example. Mm. X-Men has spin-offs in the form of like Deadpool, for example. It has uh, great sequels mm. and it has, I, I really like uh, First Class as a, as a prequel. Yep. Um, and obviously there's tons of prequel ones and the mm. different like reboot prequels, what the fuck you want to call them. But mm. First Class is meant to be literally a, a you know, a stand-in for these things. So yeah, X-Men's a good shout. I really like his suggestions. He suggests that Men in Black offers this opportunity in no way other franchises do. I'm like, have you heard of Star Wars yeah. or Marvel or like these huge yeah. fucking franchises that are, he mentions Fast and Furious? I'm like it, it did it, yeah. it did it just like they did. Loads of things can do this. It's true. You can spin off fucking anything. Who cares? Yeah, it's the uh, sequel, prequel, and spin off is, is is a tricky one because it's the prequel and spin off aspects. But to be fair, in the contemporary world of franchises. They're all trying for it. I mean, mm. one could argue that DCU is the same thing. They're not necessarily good, but they've got. Well, I mean, they've got Wonder Woman's a prequel, um, yeah. Yeah. and the spinoff is all of them, mm. much like the MCU. Uh, it's it's just like a question of like again. It, the question I think interestingly from the email wasn't, are they good? It's do they have the space to be good? And the answer mm. is yeah, they all fucking do. Mm. Um, that's and, our job, isn't it? Kind of to oh, make them good. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Hmm. Back to the Future's all prequel sequel spinoff in one film. <laughs> it's a prequel and a spin-off all in one yeah, yeah. yeah one neat little package mm. so thank you for mm. the questions but yes we liked your suggestions as well yeah that was a good shout to be fair mm. next up Jonathan Firth Clark via email hi guys love the show been a fan since the first episode and I can verify that because I remember him tweeting us back in the day because it's an unusual name and I'm good with names and I was like oh I recognise that name and he emailed us I was like I specifically thanked him. Like, thanks, man. I remember you being a an OG listener. So, mm. shout out on the show, Jonathan. I appreciate that. I had a couple of questions I'd like to ask regarding prospective episodes. Would you consider doing an All Stars episode where you either team up or each doing your own ideas for a sequel where you could use literally anyone, past, present, future, or dead? For example, Speed Two, directed by Akira Kurosawa. 
starring Marlon Brando and Tim Allen with music by Marilyn Bloody Manson. I mean, the components are interesting, but no. <laughs> I mean, swap Trent Reznor in there, and that's... Oh, shit. And that's you're... Matt's wet dream, right? Uh, Tim Kurosawa. Allen. Oh, Tim Allen's in there for... <laughs> you love a bit of Tim Allen, right, <laughs> Matt? <laughs> <laughs> Scooby fucking do. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Tim Allen as the boat. Uh, you know, he's, he's as Buzz Lightyear. Um, <laughs> just happens to be there. Um, I actually really like this. I like the idea of doing like a fantasy league sort of stuff. There's all, I mean, I made a huge switch over through, but I love the idea of... You got the sequelizers doing like a fantasy sequels thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they picked Kurosawa three points for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Yeah, I, I do think it's quite cool, the idea of like... But the thing is, because you have to do it in a slight way, like, kind of like James Cagney opposite like Daniel Day-Lewis. It wouldn't, and just the acting styles alone wouldn't work. But mm. I think there's some things you could really like. Oh, I'd love to see certain, and also uh, people from different cultures as well. And it's like you know, obviously you can do that now. But some people being obviously dead, mm. it would be really genuinely very interesting. So we do kind of do that in regards. But I think that's a nice, mm. a nice possibility. I think yeah, to, to essentially cool. get a, a Bill and Ted phone booth. Yeah. And ah, hop yeah. hop around through history and assemble our kind of all star squad would what, be. What's that Marvel thing called? The, with the Secret Wars with the 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 thing Battle World. Battle or... World. Yeah, Battle that. World. Yeah, but films. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. And we could put we could potentially even do it with like the franchises as well, so that we like we're like okay, we're going to do a sequel to uh, it's uh, we're doing. Jurassic Park, but it also happens to be a sequel to John Wick. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jurassic uh, Wick. Uh, directed... John Park. John Park just sounds like the story of some <laughs> South Korean dude. Welcome <laughs> to John Park. <laughs> and it's it's directed by John Ford. Yes. And it stars... Randall uh, Park. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this, is, this is gold. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and it's got one. Ray Harryhausen doing the special effects. Oh, I love it. And Trent Reznor doing his soundtrack. I very much love it. This makes me very happy. Speaking of making Matt very happy, Jonathan also goes on to request something that Stogden's very excited about. Four words for you, Matt. A Star Trek special. Yeah, That's all boy! you need. <laughs> and he suggests that we would take one of the bad Star Trek films each and just... Fix them all, basically. Mm. Uh, one isn't a sequel, so that doesn't count. Three gets a bad rap, but compared to those, four is a goddamn masterpiece. And yeah, fixing basically everything and going through the entire... Uh, uh, if the listeners don't know, typically every other Star Trek film is good. That's the kind of trope. It's not mm. It's, it's not really accurate, always true, but it's, but... it's a fair logic. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You, you, you can kind of guide yourself through what yeah 12 films or whatever it is by now mm. by doing that kind of logic yes but yeah we will certainly certainly get to star trek sooner rather than later it has uh, yeah. it's 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 in the cards the patron cards yes <laughs> it certainly is and jonathan also suggests a dream sequel episode where films that didn't get a sequel actually get one Hey, you already addressed that. He brings out some good examples that I hadn't really thought about. Commando, the... Die Hard. Die Hard, yeah. (laughs) The Die Hard prequel, as we like to call it. (laughs) (laughs) The Last Starfighter. Uh, That could be really good, yeah. Which was kind of uh, redone by our old pal Ernest Cline. I don't know if you guys Mm. have ever read Armada. He Mm -hmm. basically just redid The Last Starfighter because he's a lazy misogynist. (laughs) (laughs) 
And one I would never think of in a million fucking years. Nobody fucking would have. <laughs> I really want a sequel to the fucking Waterworld. <laughs> uh, Waterworld sequel should be King Kong. <laughs> they find the island and it's got full of like, giant monkeys and like, shit. He just like swims about the sea and is like, oh, giant monkey. That is, that is essentially the end to, I think it was a Roland Emmerich film, Deep, think- Deep Rising. Deep Rising. Which, oh, that wasn't Emmerich. That was, who was that? Oh, was that Emmerich? No, because it was Deep Rising... Oh, oh, um, it's it's Summers, Summers, Stephen Summers, because we did yes. it for the Jurassic Park. Yes, yeah, uh, where they they have to fight a. It's all set at uh, sea pirates. on on a on a cruise liner, and it they get invaded by pirates, and then there's monsters. Yes, and then they finally get off at the end of the uh, film and and make their way to a deserted island, and then you hear all these like monster sounds from the interior of the island, and nice. the guy's like, "What now?" And then the film ends yeah, once oh, again. Nice. Deep Rising, Treat Williams is really good. Yeah. I like that film a lot. Yeah. Not seen it. Not seen it. Oh, so, someone now. gets shot with a flare gun. Yeah. Sounds like fun. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and lastly from Jonathan, a restricted episode where we take a sequel that has been made but have to keep everything except the script. Got to keep the cast, the crew, the release date, the budget, etc. How the fuck we would calculate budgets, I have no idea. <laughs> but... Yeah, that's, well, an, to be that's fair, an interesting if, idea. If everything's the same and we're just changing the script, eh, I think the budget would be probably the same thing. That's not unless, too bad. unless we start. No, put... if you're like now we're on the moon. Yeah, we're like, well, that's a different budget. I mean, like, you see how people piss the money at the wall with certain yeah, films. That's true. <laughs> I, I think it's possible. I think it's feasible. Mm. Um, it could be interesting. Um, it's the opposite of the All Star thing, where it's like, do what you like, do, do what you like, do what you like, lad, do what you like, do what you like, have fun, you know, just go crazy. Do what you lonk and lonk what you do. <laughs> uh, that's a t-shirt going <laughs> oh, um, Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. Um, mostly because if you're bound to like, oh, I have to use fucking Tara Reid. Okay. Um, <laughs> actually, that's a good, good example. What if you had to do Uwe Boll alone in the dark and keep Christian Slater and Tara Reid and shit? Like, <laughs> fuck. I, I mean, like, Uwe Boll, I could. It's possible. The budget, or maybe not. Stephen Dorff, we could make him good. He was good in Blade. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think that's quite interesting. We could probably... I think it's an season, probably, yeah. Yeah. The tri- I think the trick there would be finding a film where even if the core cast aren't necessarily good, it's got some, like, actors in it who you know would be good later in their career, and you just yeah. kind of shuffle them around. So it's like, well, we've still got all the same people. It's just that, oh, you know... Yeah. You know, Michael Shannon, who's only in the background of, you know, three scenes, he's actually going to be the main character now. He's technically in this film, yeah. so... Whoop, it counts. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, I like that. It's like, um, it, I think Lawrence Fishburne's in one of the um, um, Nightmare on Elm Street films. Oh, interesting. Make him the lead. Mm. <laughs> Make it good. Just get Larry in there and be fine. Yeah. That's what you We've got a question here from uh, Mike Salvia. Uh a big fan and and uh, patronizer of our fine service. Regular patron, tweeter, atter. Yes. We know Mike very well. Oh, good guy. Um, he says, hello, sequelizers. Would you consider doing a short scene for the movie you sequelized to close out the episode? Uh, you should utilize your uncanny impressions to show us how much better your movie would have been. Um with the new Mortal Kombat movie generating massive buzz, I think it would be foolish to not capitalise on it. I would highly recommend reconsidering your stance on the original Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Please, please... Question mark, question mark, question mark. Um, and 
if you had a list of the most memorable, recognisable movie themes, how far down would you get before you inevitably hit Mortal Kombat? It's probably the worst movie with the best theme, right? Mike, a big Mortal Kombat fan. Really? <laughs> Seemingly so. Um, I, I must admit, I'm looking forward to the new Mortal Kombat film. I thought the casting looks very interesting because I like Kiryu Kusanada a lot. So I'm like, oh, hello. So this could be very interesting. But it won't be. <laughs> We've been down this road too many times. It's it's fascinating how every like beat 'em up film is terrible. <laughs> and to be fair, would, most video game I to mean, expand most, that into yeah, yeah, yeah but specifically yeah, there's yeah. a format here that's it, important. Yeah, you would think that it would be quite a simple film type to do. You pick most of most of those kind of franchises do have a protagonist in them somewhere. Yep. They have a cast of interesting characters that are usually split between good and evil ones. Mm -hmm. Like It should be so simple to make a good martial arts film with some cool special effects that has has a nice ensemble cast Mm -hmm. and some great fights, and yet they fuck it up every time. Here's here's a question. Jack, you've seen Creed, right? I have, yes. Do you like Creed? I love Creed. Fuck there, right there. Great. That's your fucking film. Yep. <laughs> Do that. Or something. Have you seen Enter the Dragon? Yes. Yeah. Great fucking film. I've seen that. Tournament. Yep. Yeah. Boom. There's yep. your fucking street fighting tournament right there on yep. an island with also undercover cop stuff. Yeah. But it's it's so fucking. You've seen, things, you've seen the so raid. Multiple. Yeah, the raid. That's yeah. so yeah. easy to do. But when it comes to actual properties, like seen, oh, have you seen Ong back? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. 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 It's all good stuff. I don't it's been nailed in many different ways except yeah. that one. How is it literally... Even ones that don't do too well, like, say, like, Southpaw with Jake Gyllenhaal, still pretty good. They made a fucking Tekken film that is maybe the worst film I've ever seen outside <laughs> oh. of sequences. I, I love the Tekken franchise, but I fucking, fucking hate that film. Oh, that mm. film is garbage. That film is bad. Maybe worse than Mortal Kombat. Yeah, at least Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Kombat is like Mortal Kombat's fine. <laughs> it's so silly, it does. It's, it's bad. It's all like Johnny Cage punching Gore in the balls and yeah. stuff. It's just fine. Tekken is just lifeless and dull and empty and awful. Considering that the, the game is so over the top and how silly yeah. it is with the chucking people off cliffs and things. Yeah. Um also, yeah, it's, it's easy. But. The Mortal Kombat theme is way fucking down on that list. Oh yeah. And also yep. it's technically not from the films, it's from the T V ads for the games. Like a few years before the film came out, and they nicked the Mortal Kombat bit at the beginning, yeah. um, and that song, if you didn't know, it's called Techno Syndrome mm-hmm. because of course it is. <laughs> so the next time you're raving down in a club, like you know, in a scene from Blade or something, kids, <laughs> and you're going, dun, next time the blood just think. This sounds called Techno Syndrome and it was made for a commercial. I appear to have come down with Techno Syndrome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh I God, must... I can't stop dancing. I must admit, I, I also, as someone who really, really loves film music and really, really hates the general public, um, <laughs> when you come down to recognisable movie themes, if you play something like, I don't know, even something that's quite iconic, like say, uh, E.T., Right for a certain generation, it's like, uh, yeah, I go, I go, yeah, you see. So people listen to that shit and go, "What is this? Oh, I think I know this. What is this?" It's like, "Fuck you." <laughs> Are you guys familiar with the John Williams game? Oh, is no. it just sing the theme tune? Oh, sing the title. right. So uh, usually it's it's a drinking game typically, sure. and it's uh, it would work for this show actually. Uh, I don't drink. 
I know. You'd probably be the host and Tim and I are drinking ah. against each other. So in you alternate between two people and one of the one person is basically like the host. And sure. you the host shouts John Williams scored films at the people and you have to hum it as accurately and as quickly as you can. You have to be like, Indiana Jones! And then, okay, cool. Next, on to Tib. Uh, Star Wars. And you go, um, uh, fu- um, oh no, you're out, drink. And Got it. you keep going around and just, Indiana Jones, you know E.T., you Close doing, Encounters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to end up doing like, Superman! No, fuck, it's Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. Da, 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 fuck no, no, no. That's eighty. <laughs> shit, shit. <laughs> John Williams. Like, yeah, it, it's hilarious and no, has like served that. me well at, at nerdy parties over the years. That could be so another a, interseason thing. If we ever do an interseason <laughs> drunk episode, yeah, yeah, it's Matt forcing Tim and I to sing. Oh. Matt's, Matt's podcasted drunk. Well, not I he, have. He was sober. Been a guest I was on your... very drunk. Uh, it was. Before. You guys were so fucking drunk. Oh. I've drunk. I've done. We started a tradition when I was on Intercomics. We did a post thought bubble, well, no, mid thought bubble. So it was the yeah, the the midnight. Um, we would go back to one of our hotel rooms and record a very drunk episode. So, oh yeah, yeah. I've never done this drunk. No, but but maybe we should. A part of me is like yeah, but then remember, I'm the sober one. I mean, I remember Tim walking. In, I won't say what he was wearing because. I won't, but he was wearing something, wearing something he found in the house from a party they had. Oh. It was like, and his wide stride, hand on his fucking hips like he's Superman, said, I've been sick in the sink. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, cool. I think that was after my something like eighth <laughs> shot of tequila. Easily, easily. It was yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. So, um, what about the. Been uh, sick in the sink. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a slow burning in the background. Yeah. Uh, that might be my favourite John Williams. Just. Superman? Yeah. Mm. No, no, my no. favourite Williams is presenting the hook from Hook. <laughs> Specifically that track that's from Hook. That's bold, Matthew. It doesn't sound like anything William... Well, not anything, but it's very un-Williamsy. Yeah. Until you listen to Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, what, what do we think of uh, having a short scene from, from our sequelised films? Mm. So... Mm. We like do like silly voices. We like silly voices. Mm. Um, we like to. The thing is, it's interesting because we, we, obviously we'll discuss the nature of what we're going to do with series five and uh, structure and format and changing things up. It does require a lot of pre work. So in other words, we couldn't have any flexibility with like like how we had um, in the Men in Black episode mm. with the Sally Field thing mm. and going, oh hang on, what about Julie Dreyfus? Mm. Oh, that's a great idea. Mm. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Suddenly, anything we pre-prepared wouldn't necessarily work. We could try and change it up, and obviously mm. that would be fine, but sometimes it would maybe fall apart. But it's a nice idea. We might investigate, shall we say. It, yeah. it might end up as a bonus content, perhaps. A Classic future. Patreon. Classic Patreon. Yeah. We need those dollar. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Yeah. It's not a bad idea. Like, I think we're all quite keen on doing silly impressions and voices and we stuff. We have fun and with it, and it sounds mm, fun. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Potentially. Yeah, yeah. No promises, but also it's it's okay. We're recording this in November. It, basically, it's like someone saying, "Can I have this for Christmas?" We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> have it's, you been good? Yeah. Have you been good? And will you forget about this? We'll see. Maybe. And to round us off for this bumper edition of the Q and A listener feedback, mm. it's a question multiple people have asked. Matt actually brought it up as a question people have been asking him in person. True. And I mentioned, like, oh, I've seen it on going around on Twitter, and a few people have asked us, and a few people have, like, tagged us in things. Yeah. And there's a few different ways to approach this. 
um, this question and I took a very particular approach and Matt was like, oh no, I meant this way and it's much more interesting. Mm. And the question is... I should point out, I didn't say and it's much more interesting. Well, and I thought it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, much yeah, more yeah. interesting, yeah. Um, what are your favourite films of the decade? And we narrowed that down to one film per year from the year 2010 to 2019 since, as Matt mentioned, we're recording this in November of 2019. We're about to wrap a decade. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. let's discuss our favourite films. And should we go from 2010 to 2019? I think so. I think I think do all of us do 2010? Yeah, do all, all of 2010, then all of 2019. Absolutely, yeah, yes. Yeah. And we've also highlighted or at least made a list of the highest grossing film of that year. And by that I mean, you know, the film that made the most money. Primarily because, let's face it, from, you know, for the dollar bill being slapped down, that's the public's opinion of what mm, the best film of that year was. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we'll see if there's any crossover. Yeah. So 2010. Jack, do you want to kick us off? Should we go with what the biggest thing was first, the public first? Mm, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Okay. So the highest grossing of 2010, Toy Story 3. Now, that's a really strong film. That is a a bloody good film. was almost my pick. I agree. Same. Yeah, yeah. It's like probably number two or number three on all of our lists. I agree. And that explains why it's so fucking high (laughs) grossing. Yeah, and that's actually complete. And that, by the way, may be a divergence for the rest of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, I think that's really solid. Mm. Absolutely, um, but what did you bring to the to the table, Jack? Something not a million miles away from Toy Story three, actually. Yeah, yeah. How to Train Your Dragon, mm. a, a really good, really solid kids film, and like, a really a, pretty film. I didn't extra- expect that film to be anything particularly interesting, and I absolutely adored the world they built. Mm-hmm. And I also loved the second one, and I also really liked the third one. Mm. Yeah, and I was amazed at how good those they have. They're way better than they have any right to be. Mm. Agreed. And agreed. I literally named my cat Toothless, so I kind of have to pick this <laughs> film. So yeah, How to Train Your Dragon. It's a good show. Absolute mm. classic. Tim, how about you? Uh, I went for the Social Network. Ooh, um, that's a great film. It's a film I feel I need to see again because I don't really remember anything that happened. It's got. It's not without its flaws. But I think, for one, looking at the decade that we've just had, it's an incredibly... Saying something's important is kind of sticking your head up your own Relevant? Yeah, relevant, prescient. um, An amazing score. Yeah. um, Great direction, really great performances, um, and really good writing um, in that kind of stylized Aaron Sorkin way. Although, obviously, over the past nine years, we found out that uh, perhaps Mark Zuckerberg isn't uh, witty and erudite. Maybe he's just a weird uh, reptilian robot. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, but but the scene where uh, he gets told uh, girls won't like uh, girls won't like you, and it's not because you're a nerd it's because you're an asshole. oh yeah that feels very very accurate that that cut through and let's face it in the nature of like um a lot of the the internet audience and stuff like that yeah yeah um <laughs> the one thing i would probably uh have fixed somehow or changed mm. a bit is josh pence um because i felt bad for him uh if you guys don't know army hammer plays i i just thought oh but i just digitally mm. done two army hammers i was like mm. nope mm. it was two dudes josh pence and army hammer and they just decided, well, Finch decided to replace one's head. So Hammer's on to Pence. What? Yeah. So to make them more twin-like. Why? Why? 
Oh, I I thought that that was the intention from no, the start. No, was I... always and the things those two Ooh. riffed off each other perfectly, and one yeah. of them was and the thing is, Pence was great. He was really good. And there were there, there's some footage How of them both. Him. But Pence's only other thing I've seen him in those is he's in Dark Knight Rises as a younger version of um, uh, Rachel Ghoul, and it, it's like yeah. it feels bad because I think like. I love Army Hammer. I think he's a good actor, mm. but I think oh, fuck, we kind of could have had two really good. Interesting. Mm. They didn't have to be identical. Fucking. Twists. I, I think yeah. what they did was brilliant and really cool, mm. but at the expense. of I also one feel actor. like that's the only way anyone knows how to portray twins in things. Yeah, like you can't possibly cast like two similar-looking people, which is often <laughs> not every pair of fucking twins. My, my is identical dad's a twin, twins. and they were identical when they were like six. They look nothing alike now. Yeah. yeah. So it, yeah, it's just yeah, it's bizarre. So that's unfortunate. How about you, Matt? My 2010 pick is um, probably about as uh, blockbuster as I'm going to get for all evening. Mm. Inception. Oh, mm. good choice. I, I it, was it was high very, on my list as well. Yeah, it's sure. very cliche to say Inception because there's a lot of flaws with it. And it's like, but I really fucking enjoyed it. I didn't mm. know it. No one knew what to expect. He came out of the Dark Knight, uh, Christopher Nolan, that is, sorry. And Warner Brothers said, you can kind of do what you want now. Mm. And he said, I'm going to do this film. And I remember the teaser trailer for it. and teaser trailers for Nolan films are always like a year in advance and tell you nothing mm. and that's usually a bad thing because you're like what the fuck is this why are you telling me anything when there's nothing mm. to say other than Christopher Nolan film next year who gives a shit but they did those like faux posters for just it just says Christopher Nolan and big letters yeah like, yeah fuck off yeah that's, that's like a, <laughs> I, I get it but also I'm like piss off but Inception was so good and it wasn't that it was as revolutionary as everyone claims to be or as definitely not as confusing as everyone thinks it no. might be it was just nicely cleanly executed clever well scored really fucking well acted and amazing ensemble cast mm. action film heist drama thing I just mm. really enjoyed the world building mm. might be my favourite Nolan film mm, mine's Memento I think yeah, Memento is pretty high up. I, well. I yeah. really like the Prestige as well. I, I slate the Prestige a little bit when I was reviewing it at the time because so I was like, ah. but I love the Prestige now. Mm. Yeah, I, I matured a little bit, but um, yeah. No one's Interstellar then. That's interesting. I uh, hate Interstellar. It's fine. No, it's not. Um, so that's how 2010. Time for 2011. Time 2011, yeah. The highest grossing for 2011. <sighs> it's pretty predictable, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Ari bloody... Potter in it. Of course it is. Mm. Happens to be Deathly Hallows, of course. Part two. Part two. Part two. Yeah. Specifically the, the part final, two. The final chapter. The final, final chapter of the Before Harry Potter thing. Until, all that fantastic bullshit. Until the fantastic bullshit and the cursed child is eventually made. Oh, we've got that mm-hmm. to look forward to. So yeah. Safe to say none of the three of us have picked any Harry <laughs> no, Potter films. It's, on it's an understandable one. I can see why it was the highest grossing mm. film was the end of a big thing. Yeah, and yeah. I still enjoy the films for what they were because I haven't read the books and I don't give a shit about the books. Mm. I just mm. know the film universe. But it's not epic. Should we go Tim first this time? Tim? What was your 2011? I went for one that is... <laughs> and I realise I've just uh, I've done two Aaron Sorkin scripted things on the trot, <laughs> uh, which, you know... Uh, as as big a West Wing fan as I am, uh, he's someone who is a mixed bag as far as a, a person goes. Yeah. Um, but it's a film that is one has become one of my like comfort viewing films, oddly, which is very strange because it's a film about statistical analysis, and that's Moneyball. <laughs> um, Moneyball is surprising. Yeah. Yeah. That took a lot of people by surprise by how good it was. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's it's I'm one of those people who I don't necessarily I'm not that into sports but sports films are typically great because <laughs> they take 
all the things that are good about sports and put a narrative on them so and that take I can... the sports out. <laughs> no, well, they they they, <laughs> they, they, put, they put a narrative yeah. that you can follow and that concludes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you d- it doesn't become this thing where you've just got to watch it constantly. Mm. Um, it only fails if that sport was first somehow in a video game. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, I think uh, some really good performances um, from Brad Pitt and from Jonah Hill. Mm. Um, like Jonah Hill kind of being the first time he could show that he could like tamp down and do something serious. Yeah. Um, well, he did 21 Jump Street at the same time, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, just like a... Just, uh, um, a really interesting topic to tackle for a film like not something that is doesn't leap off as uh, the page is going like oh we've got to make a film about this yeah um but an interesting story and one i think they they dramatized really well and like i say it's it's become this weird kind of comfort food film for me no that's cool jack rise of the planet of the apes very interesting because yes. obviously we've talked about this before on the show yeah. and I love Dawn and I love War yeah. mm. I genuinely really like Rise because that did not deserve to be good as, as we mm. tend to say on the show agreed and fuck it up on my surprise mm. I, I can't I think it can, it's hard to convey to people now nobody expected no it was like oh shit yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a genuinely cool thing I mean there are a lot of flaws with it but what it kick-started and bounced off for Matt Reeves to t- pick up and just yeah. really run with was... like I said Dawn and like you said Dawn and War are absolutely amazing oh yeah mm-hmm. and I've talked about them on the show before how much I enjoy those films mm. but yeah Rise really took me by surprise yeah, and yeah. I had to know I liked the old Planet of the Apes films I've seen I think I've seen all or most of them sure and they're a mixed bag but very much so yeah, I had no expectations going into it. I went to see it at the cinema, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is actually really good!" Yeah, and I was amazed. There was um, two very vivid memories of going to the cinema when I was at university. For whatever reason, are that and a 2012 film we'll talk about in a moment. So, mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mine is Thirteen Assassins. It is a fucking phenomenal remake it's one of those remakes that's better than the original uh it's Takeshi Miike uh doing a remake of a Kudo film from 1963 I want to say I'm not sure but um yeah it's I, I won't say too much about it but it, it's, it's one of those things that's just be, again Miike was known for a long time as just doing these sort of really crazy visceral um street level stuff and then he started doing period drama remakes of them and said whoa, 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 what's this and the same way that he's he does a lot of um anime adaptations of things and it's, it's such a weird body of work that he has but it's such high quality and he goes on to do Harakiri and other things of a similar nature um, but 13 Assassins is just, just great great cinema absolutely I yeah. agree yeah it's one of the films um, there were a few films where m- my parents and I kind of crossed over because my dad was a huge western guy growing up yep. and westerns have just never really clicked with me in, sure. in, in a particular way uh, and my mum, she is kind of a sort of a murder thriller mystery kind of person. Yep. And then we watched Thirteen Assassins. Um, we started watching like other stuff. We uh, watched Zatoichi. Oh yeah, yeah. And we were like, "This is fucking great." Yeah. And suddenly, kind of, my dad was like, "Oh, what about? Have you seen Seven Samurai?" And I was like, yeah. "What the fuck is Seven Samurai?" Yeah. And then like, yeah. It was a real formative kind of bonding moment for me and my family. That's so, cool. Yeah, 13 Assassins, that's a real kind of 
special place in my heart as well. It's the kind of thing I imagine being remade in the American West and being terrible. Like oh. Old Boy, for example. <laughs> <laughs> 2012 2012 Well I teased it This is the other film I remember seeing Very vividly mm. While at university Because I skipped I know I didn't know I didn't skip I went to see it Really fucking early In the morning On yeah. the day of release I didn't go to the midnight showing But we Me and my lab mate I did a physics degree So I had a lab mate um, We went to like a I want to say like a 7 o'clock in the morning showing And yeah. we had a lab that started at like 9.30 or something. <laughs> Cutting it fine. And uh, we ran from the cinema back down back down to the, the campus. And uh, for those British people that remember back to 2012, behind us in the queue was the rapper Example, because he was... Uh, <laughs> really? He was, he was doing a show in Nottingham that, oh, that night. And for whatever reason, he was seeing it really fucking early in the morning. Um, and I turned around and I was like, hey man, are you Example? He's like, yeah. I was like, you like the Avengers? Like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's like, cool. Enjoy the film. It's like, thanks, man. You too. That's how interactions with famous people should go. Yeah. yeah. Just, are you mm-hmm. him? Yep. Enjoy the film. You too. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, the film I'm talking about is Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, Avengers Assemble, as mm-hmm. it's known over here, unfortunately. Uh, still don't refer to that. Yeah. The original Avengers, and not that original Avengers, the other Avengers, mm. the MCU Avengers. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, I, I the, could have included it on my list because it was really. Im- I think I still think it's a really important film. Mm. Um, it, it is. It proved it's, what could be done. Yeah, it's the thing that has kind of shaped so much of, for better or worse, and I feel in a lot of ways oh, yeah, yeah. how cinema has transformed since then. True. So many other people and other franchises and other studios are chasing that mm. fucking dragon yeah. and trying to get. Oh yeah, we can we can team up all of our people into one big film. That'd be fine. Like, yeah. No, they spent years doing this. Yeah, mm. they planned this all out. They had five different films leading up to yeah. blah blah blah. Like. And they had some course correction in the dark, mm. in the way that, like, for example, with the Matrix, you could make a mistake under radar, no one would care. When Matrix came out, and Matrix Two was being done, Matrix Two and Three back back back. It's mm. like now everyone's watching, and yes. now everyone cares. Yeah, it's like no, no, no. They had the 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 luck of being first, basically, to mm. get it right. And subsequently, this and this film does get it right. I think this will always be a thing. I'm going to go fuck yes. And the only thing I can remember complaining about in my review at the time was that I didn't like the music as much because mm. I thought it could be more iconic. And now I think back, it's now quite yeah. I, I still get. A, I think it's good now, but that's because I'm associated associated with a positive experience. I was going to yeah. say that that theme did absolutely nothing for me back in the day. No. Mm. Then when it kicks in an end game, oh mm. god, oh fuck, you get the fuck yes moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cap catches the hammer. But again, it's, fuck, it's yes. I think it comes down to largely uh, almost Pavlovian. It's like mm. now I know it's what I'm Disney expecting. Disney drilling it into yeah. our brains yeah. for the last seven years. Disneydrilling.com. <laughs> and I, th- I think I think it's a film where now we can you can you can look back at it now and you can kind of see the wheels spinning and a lot of it is just like getting the group together. Um, and there's, I, I, I don't think it's without its flaws, but man, once the portal opens, that act like oh. it's, it's one of the, it's one of. There's so many films out there where the best action sequence is in the middle, because there's still stakes. Yes, and then the the the, the final action sequence is kind of just, eh. Yeah. Um. And time. yeah, and. <laughs> The Avengers doesn't suffer from that. It it builds to that final battle, and when it kicks off, and you have like that circular shot, and you have the tracking mm, shot where it mm. goes through the whole. That's my thing. secret cap. Like, yeah, there's oh. 
What's mm. nice as well in the trailer, you saw the whole, I'm bringing the pie to you, and you see one of the big space whammy things, and yeah. think, oh my god, you don't, uh, for a moment, think, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Mm. Yeah. And it felt like more than you could have Oh, there's have dozens of giant yeah, space dragons. Yeah, so, yeah, cool. Send the rest. Oh, so, it's so... And it's hard to describe to an audience now. It's like when people first see Star Wars and they try to explain what Star Wars was like. Yeah. <laughs> when you'd see the first Star Destroyer come mm. overhead and go, oh my God, it's like yeah. coming out the screen. Yeah. That kind of shit. You sound like an old man, mm. but it's also like, you don't get it, kids. Avengers was important. Yeah. But we didn't choose it. <laughs> Literally none of us chose it for 2012. But, but, but it, it was is. the highest grossing film. <laughs> it was. And rightly so. Um, yeah, it was nearly nearly in my pick. Mm. Yeah. It's is, it is so good and so important. Mm. Matt, why don't you kick us off? I will. Um, I used to work at a bookshop um, before I went to work on other things. And at the time, the Yamatel book, Life of Pi, came out. And mm. everyone was raging about it. And I thought, I can't be fucked to read that. I'm reading cool stuff like science fiction. <laughs> I'm a badass 20-something-year-old, early 20s guy. Getting Leave me all the ladies with my science fiction. My science fiction. Nah. Um, anyway, <laughs> but the point is that I didn't appreciate it. And then the film came out. And this is the thing. I've seen... Gemini Man recently, which is ass, and um, Ang Lee made or did the cinematic uh, adaptation of Life of Pi, and I fucking loved it. I thought it was really good, and I don't people have impressions there, but it was beautifully shot, amazing, amazing technology. I saw it in 3D, and I know you hate 3D, but 3D was really good for this sort of thing. Um, I think one of the early examples in a mainstream blockbuster film where the 3D and CGI elements went outside the sort of black bars of the 69 sort of widescreen thing. Like, oh, that's mm. a momentary like slap of surprise. Um, and also the just just the general survival aspect of it all, and and the analogy in retrospect being both obviously about all religions, but also at the same time the idea of just what you the human uh, experience is. And I'm not going to spoil it for me; I haven't seen it, but. Yeah, there's a phrase at a local cinema in Norwich called Cinema City when um, everyone walked out to cinema there'd be this weird sort of days of stumbling out and the staff would say like have you had your life pied or something like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like it's, has this, it's, and, then, and people say my god it's so I've, I've just had to really think about my life now I'm, I'm, I have to think about it now and then you know wander off into the yeah. night or whatever the fuck they would do mm-hmm. with themselves um, but no I, I genuinely that one that stuck with me quite a lot for the, as I say for the visuals for the storytelling for everything else but I, and I think it's so disappointing how Ang Lee is now. Like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. So mm. that would be my choice. What about you, Tim? Um, so I've gone for, uh, I have a, a kind of, this year and next year, I have a brace of smaller films that people will probably not have seen. Mm-hmm. And I also think, shamefully, I think it's the only one on our list that's got a woman director out of oh, all of us. Fuck! <laughs> it's also the only one I've never heard of. Um, uh, it's a film called Your Sister's Sister. The Duplass and Emily Blunt. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I've seen it a very long time, but I've seen it. it uh, good. Yeah, Mark, Mark Duplass, Emily Blunt, and Rosemary DeWitt. And That's it's basically it. a, a three-hander uh, directed by Lynn Shelton, who's a director I, I really like. Mm-hmm. Does a lot of these kind of mumblecore, very dialogue-driven indie films. Um, and it was just one of those films that caught me at exactly the right time. Um, yeah. It's just this very intimate, it kind of uh, gets that line between comedy and drama perfectly right. Mm. Um, it manages to kind of be, go moment from moment from hilarious to kind of tragic or touching. Yeah. Um, 
and kind of like Alexander Payne sort of yeah elements. that Alexander Payne or um, Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig you know yeah. she was obviously came up through the mumblecore kind of uh, yes. scene um, and just like a just one of those kind of like perfect little nuggets of film like yeah. um, that is is just this kind of tiny treasure yeah um, and massively underrated and yes yeah. Um, and she's done a lot of like really interesting stuff um, uh, over the years. You, usually, almost entirely kind of these very small people-driven films, but mm. um, but really, really, but really uh, emotionally driven, and also really important. Yeah. The, uh, it's, it's hard to describe these things because unless mm. you know the type of film, because mm. people, I mean, if we talk about the the, the average cinema goer mm. who says, "Oh, I can't believe they're making a remake of The Lion King," bloody mm. hell. You gonna watch it? Yeah, I'll watch it. Will yeah. you watch this film called Your Sister's Sister? <laughs> no. Yeah. It's like, well, then fuck you. You're part of the problem. Yeah. Um, how do you sell it to them? It's, it's the difficult thing. Yeah. You audience members, my recommendation is watch a trailer. Yeah. And see what you think. I mean, in, in a way, it's probably one of her easier sales because you just go, "Hey, do you like Emily Blunt?" And you go, "Yeah." And you go, "She's really great in this." Yeah. Like she yeah. is like f- as funny as like you'll ever see her be, and just a very kind of like natural performance yeah um and it's, it's it's she's one of those filmmakers who everyone in her films always feels like an entirely real person oh yeah no, i agree with that time um, yeah so yeah so that that check that it out my favorite yeah. of the year jack and now for something completely different mm-hmm. <laughs> a film again we've talked about on this show before we talked about earlier on in the episode uh, close up my second almost business pick yeah one of my favorite films Period. Oh. Dread. Mm-hmm. I grew up loving Judge Dread, and just love the world of Mega City One. Love the world of 2000 AD, and this film just did it right. Yeah, Alex Garland and who seemingly directed the thing he from, <laughs> from 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 what we now understand. And not only did he kind of write it and kind of spearhead the whole movement and trying to. You know, get the right to do it with mm. 2000 AD and all that kind of stuff. The casting's amazing. Carl Urban is fantastic. Lena Headey's fantastic. Olivia Thirlby's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's an all around. The fact that it's basically sci fi the raid and it's just set mm-hmm. in this one building mm-hmm. yeah. and it's just dread being a badass Damn and not job. taking his helmet yeah. off and not being a dicking about like he did when he was Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> and yeah, they just nailed that character for me. They nailed the vibe of that horrible part of that city and it brings you into that world without going like batshit insane like they could do with so much 2000 AD stuff. Again, we talked about this where the 2000 AD universe is 10,000 times bigger than just Dread and it's all this weird interconnected mental interdimensional space bollocks and it's all satire all the time cranked up to 11 and just like unbearable satire at sometimes because mm-hmm. it's just so over the top and in your face and that's kind of the point mm-hmm. but they really dialed it back and really nailed the tone and yeah absolutely which is so adored weird Red. because at the time when it was being made there was so many things coming out of where it was being shown like this is a disaster this is i mean obviously we know it was a bit then mm-hmm. and they showed the first images of them running around the corridors like these are shitty uh, costumes a terrible representation of the armor and again at the time i was thinking this is a bit a piece of shit Yep. I did it not appreciate really low budget. It looks yeah. really weird. Yeah, yeah, I did not appreciate how much I would still to this day adore that film. Yep. Um, and again, still lament the fact we don't. We're never going to get a sequel to that. 
Not in the, there not, was one in comic form, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but not in the capacity it needs to be yeah. or needed to be. Yeah, so yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. Jack, what about 2013? A fucking powerhouse of a film that I assume is nowhere fucking near any of our top choices for the year, but is one of the most transformative, important, <laughs> like influential films of mm. the decade, for sure. Mm, fair. Frozen. <laughs> that is easily and obviously the highest grossing film of 2013 because... Yeah. It was the highest grossing. Uh, I was in I film was in Iceland earlier today, and fucking frozen is everywhere. You should clarify, not the country. Yes, in the 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 shop that and, and specialises in frozen goods. Yeah, you're also not talking about just frozen food was everywhere. It's frozen branded frozen food. It's yeah. frozen sponsored chicken Olaf nuggets and bollocks noses, and, and it's just baby yes. carrots. Yes, they do. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> yes, it's the worst. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, this is the year of uh, for, uh, at time of recording. It's already out, but I think it's like next week. It's being released over here. Um, and I'm looking forward to Frozen too. It looks more of an adventure than the first one. The Frozen is fine. Yes, the first yeah. one is fine. Tangled is much much oh, better. Tangled's uh, better. Moana's better. better. Moana's absolutely. Better, yeah. Both of them are much much better. But I can understand why this is the highest grossing film. It yeah. is not our choice. No. Jackie up first. Sure. Why not? Be up first, man. Again, something completely different. Not. Not anything to do with Frozen. Inside Lewin Davis. That's an interesting one. I love the Coen Brothers. I do, mm. too. I yeah. think Inside Lewin Davis is fine. Really? Yeah, I like ah. the idea of it being a film about a musician who just doesn't make it. Yes. And mm. that fucking yeah. sad cat. Did but I, I don't know. Something about it, I'm like, eh. Uh, in a similar way to Tim just mentioned, it came to me at the right time. Yes. And all that yes. kind of thing. And I remember just absolutely losing myself in that film and not necessarily relating to Lewin himself but like no, but really kind yeah. of being able to understand where he's coming from and and really kind of where I was in my life was a similar kind of like oh what do I do now is a kind of a crossroads and I for example to go you know back into my personal life once again because yeah. of course I do sure. um I just come back from the at the time the longest term relationship of my life i'd lost my job lost my girlfriend and come crashing back to norfolk mm. to stay with my parents and be like what the fuck do i do now i'm 22 oh god like you know, i'm almost dead exactly yeah yeah <laughs> like i was had it all sorted at university i've done my degree yeah. now i go out into the world of work and make loads of money and yeah no I moved in with my girlfriend who I'd been in a long distance relationship with throughout university. Mm. For those young listeners out there, don't do that. Terrible fucking <laughs> idea. Go out and have a university life. It'd be much, much better. And I lived with her for like three months and we realized like, oh, we've grown apart because we've been together for so long but lived so far apart. That's yeah. a terrible idea. And then, yeah, I got a phone call at like four o'clock on a Friday afternoon from the company saying like, hey, you know how you're an external contractor technically? Yeah, we've gone into liquidation and Jesus. all the external contracts are terminated as of uh, about 10 minutes from now. So you're out of a job in about 10 minutes. And I was like, <sighs> and I was the one that answered the fucking phone call from head office. Okay, cool. Thanks. And I went home, got back to Norfolk. And the first thing I did was meet up with a couple of friends. and We went to the cinema and we went to see Lewin Davis. That's, and an, I was like, that's a moment. That's what yeah. I need in my life. And that, for whatever reason, that film just resonated with me. And I, I knew I loved the Coen brothers. And we're all going to kind of like get yeah. together and go and watch this film. And mm. yeah, it just yeah. resonated with me. 
That's so, fair. That's fair. Mm, yeah, I get that. Great, great performance by Oscar oh, Isaac. The moment I and, fell in love with Oscar Isaac, yeah. and a great performance by uh, Carrie Mulligan as well. I yeah. love seeing her be yeah. horstic and yes. kind of mm-hmm. uh, unsympathetic in I a lot of ways. Justin, Justin Timberlake, Timberlake yeah. Adam, Adam Driver. Driver's in it for yeah. some yeah. reason. Goodman's always good, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that is a it, it, see again. It's a good. It's a Coen Brothers one. It's a good one. I, again, I think you're right. To quote kids of today, oh. big mood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd hear you say. I'd expect big mood from Tim, not from you, Matthew. Well, Tim, Tim's uh, down with the kids. You're not. I know. <laughs> my but, my moods are the biggest. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I uh, I'm the I'm, biggest I'm the ventriloquist doll that Tim shoves his hand up. That's that ex- also true. That explains a lot. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Tim? Um, so yeah, this is this is the second in my brace of kind of uh, moderately obscure indie films. Yeah, uh, a film called The Kings of Summer, which I fucking love. Me too. Great film. Yeah. Um, uh, for people who haven't seen it, it's basically about three teenage boys who decide to try and go and build a house in the woods because they're sick of their parents. Or at least two of them are, and one of them is just a weirdo who decides to come hang out with them. Fucking machete. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And um, it's full of kind of... I think the cast are kind of going on to do... Bit like the, the 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 main cast of the kind of three teens, I think, have all gone on to do like moderately interesting stuff. I've yes. seen them crop up in various places. It's also got some great um, sort of uh, other characters in the supporting cast. It's got like Nick Offerman is one of the parents. Yep. Um, Alison Brie plays one of their older sisters. I want to say. I think so. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just a it's it's a. <clears throat> beautiful little story of kind of teenage rebellion and coming of age one of those like just real classic coming of age films um that you know i think if it if it had found more of an audience it would be it would be talked about in the same breath as stuff like I don't, it's not as emotional as Stand By Me, and they're they're slightly older, but it, it's very similar. But and, it's, and, and, I mean, you're right; though, it strikes the same tone in yeah, a weird way. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the director Jordan Vote Roberts has had a, an interesting trajectory, mm. uh, kind of in the model of what a lot of directors have had uh, recently, where it's like we make you make one good indie film and then you get snapped up yeah. into big franchises. Where he did this film, then he did uh, Kong Skull Island, which mm-hmm. is yep. a, a good film, and he like handled that transition pretty I like well. Kong Skull Island. We're not going to it. Okay. Uh, and his next film is going to be the Metal Gear Solid film. Oh my lord! So yeah, that's, about that. that's going to be interesting. Um, that guy, yeah. him, Trevor O'Trank, and a few others are like, it's like, yeah. you've done one really solid indie film, and mm. I like what you got, kid. Have you a, remind me of me in my young days, had Mr. Spielberg. Have, have two hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah. 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 It's like that's a mistake. Give him a mid-budget film. Gareth like Edwards is mid- another mm. example. Of that, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's just like I get it, but also give him some mid-budget shit, man. Mm. Jesus Christ. But I think he of that kind of class of of directors he seems to be one of the ones that's handled it best i, I wouldn't disagree because i have problems with kong Island a lot but mm. some of the visual creatives are uh, choices are, are really interesting i'll mm. give them that much uh, well, again i'm not going to kong, kong skull right mm. now but yeah I, I think that's you're right he's one of the ones who did actually come out of it rather well mm. somehow He's certainly no Josh Trank. Oh, no, I was waiting like, for a Trank, Trank. <laughs> Um But yeah, Kings of Summer, again, just kind of like a little gem of a film. I think people should watch. Yep. It's, yeah. yeah. I, I accidentally heard about that. And like, I, I had not seen any advertising or anything like that. 
it was either a tweet or a mention on a podcast from Kumail Nanjiani, who shows up on it. It's yeah. a, a Pakistani-American comedian. And he mentioned, like, oh, I'm in this film, and it's really good. You should all go see it. And I went to see it, and I fucking loved it. Mm. And I was like, wow. I had no expectations of this going into it, apart mm. from the fact that I like Kumail. And yeah. I was like, okay, He recently cool. tweeted, you should go see Men in Black International. Uh, <laughs> Don't. <laughs> um, my... 2013, stick with Independence, mm. uh, is Fruitvale Station. Great choice. Uh, fucking an amazing film. Yeah. Ryan Coogler's a great director. Mm. Ryan Coogler's a great person. <laughs> we mentioned Creed earlier. Creed, yeah. yeah. Michael mm. B. Jordan's great. And uh, Fruitvale Station is, uh, in the same way as The Social Network, very pertinent to the times. Mm, absolutely. You just follow the story and think, this is great, but where the fuck is this all going? And I mm. don't, I don't want to say anything. Mm. But the ending is. If you can go in blind, go in blind. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's it's so crushing, and because it feels so real, mm. and and it, put it this way, imagine if Paul Haggis's crash, stick with me, um, <laughs> had one storyline, mm. and it was really, really, really fucking good and yeah. subtle. Mm. That's Fruitvale Station, and mm. it's just so. Oh, it it fucking makes me like well just thinking about it because it's it's so tragic because it's one of those things that's like it's a film talking about the state of the times right now and it could be so close to being real yep. and it's painful to endure and well, you it's think ba- based on a true story exactly that's what yeah, I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so but yeah so it, it is it's just it's just it's just tragic storytelling and it's the kind of thing that I think it, the, the 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 further we get from it will be pointed to more accurately uh, mm. quite pertinent saying this is a, a very interesting turning point for mm. for cinema where you start realizing that hang on we should be using this medium to tell mm. the, the audiences that things yeah. have gone wrong basically and uh, i lived in san francisco for a short while yeah and like so yeah. i recognize mm. those trains that they're on and the kind yeah. of stations that they're you know they're in and and god yeah just it's a gut it, punch it's a gut punch yeah yeah Speaking of gut punches in a very different way. Oh, God, yeah. The highest grossing film of the year of our Lord, 2014. Just to prove that humans couldn't be trusted around that time. (laughs) Just to prove that, you know, just because a few million people agree on something is not necessarily the right decision. Transformers Age of Extinction is the highest grossing film. I can understand three being high because three had some really interesting action at the end, but four, Cade Yeager, I'm a, I'm a inventor. I invented it. Fuck off. Transformers. But Transformers, it's got, man. It's got the Dinobots in That's it. That's the man. answer. That's the answer. <laughs> it's got Optimus Prime riding a robo Tyrannosaurus Rex or something. Oh, what I ass. assume something. I don't give a fuck about either of those things. Uh, yeah, Transformers, unfortunately. Well, we all picked it, so we should move on. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, 2015, um, we all agree on Age of Extinction, right, guys? Yeah. 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 Good. <laughs> should I uh, should I jump in with 2014? You, you yeah. kick off. You're with your actual pick. <laughs> uh, 2014, um, I initially was going to go on one with Jack's going to pick in a second, mm. uh, but I went for Calvary. Um, Very high on my list. Yeah. I could adore this film. I like the McDonough brothers. I think they do some amazing stuff. I li- I've seen some of the plays, and I love the film stuff, and... Calvary is probably the most dark and cynical of the films. Mm. The comedy's there, but it's fucking... It's, it's barely there. And all it is basically about a priest played by Brendan Gleeson and this guy's in his confession box saying, I'm going to kill you in seven days. 
quite interesting, killing a person Sunday. It's like, well, do you want to know who I am? So, no, I'll probably just see you Sunday. And he goes around the village trying to figure out who it is. Um, and it's filmed and set in, in West Island, where my family's from and stuff. And so I got like, like oh, I don't know what that is. That's not what you think oh, it is. I see that beach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, any, anytime you've seen a film filmed where you live or where you're from, you look at it and go, that's not in that fucking... That's like 20 miles down the road, you piece of... That's just films. But it's... Um, yeah, it's it's crushing because it's got an amazing message to it, which is strangely about forgiveness. And it's just literally the idea of like, yeah, things are shit. And yeah, things that... And everyone's got stories and everyone's got problems. And it's genuinely tragic. And it talks about... And also it's very important for, for, for Ireland as well, the idea that how the country's moved away from something and there's, there's still resentment to everything. Not to get into the story too much. Um, and there's the ridiculous fucking characters from start to end. Everyone is an all absolute psycho. Kind of believable. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's it's the kind of relatable psycho. You're like, I think I know someone like the that. The Irish psycho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, Calvary's an amazing film. It is. Um, I mean, The Guard is funny. And um, War and Everyone's interesting. And Did The Guard come out around about the same time? It was, it was before. It was, it was before, before, yeah. It was before. Because I had seen... <laughs> I think I'd seen Brendan Gleeson and the two performances that stood out were The Guard and In Bruges yeah. for me. And I was like, yeah. oh, he's really funny. I like Brendan Gleeson. Oh, oh god oh, yeah. Jesus Christ yeah again in Bruges funny seven psychopaths interesting um, oh, yeah seven psychopaths yeah, yeah and then yeah. three billboards and it's like yeah these are really good but Calvary is of the of the two brothers and the things they made Calvary is the one that I think is the most impressive it's the one that stuck with me the most yeah. for sure yeah. yeah over to you Jack the thing that you nearly picked yes very nearly and surprise surprise Jack's picking more sci-fi stuff <laughs> And going back to Alex Garland as well. Yeah. Ex Bloody Machina. It's a fucking astonishing film. Great film. Mm. Immaculate. Maybe a perfect film, in my opinion. There's yeah, very few things yeah. I can think that don't work, that don't. Like, there's no sort of like, oh, that looks shit, or that's a bad performance. Like, Oscar Isaac is amazing and terrifying. Mm. Donald Gleason is amazing. Alicia Vikander is fantastic as this weird kind of... And the effects that they use to make mm. her this weird oh, kind yeah. of half-human robotic performance, mm. motion capture, mm. CGI mix. It's incredible looking. It's small but has a, a weight to it. It's a very kind of close and personal story but also has bigger ramifications. Yeah. It's, a, it's fucking... It's just everything I need in a sci-fi movie basically it's, it, it's beautiful science fiction yeah in every regard and the music's amazing oh the music is great as well yeah, yeah. It, it's a philip k dick kind of style yeah and he's one of my favorite authors and I, I love that kind of existential kind of questioning mm-hmm. is, is life how we think it is kind of sci-fi stuff i think mm-hmm. sci-fi works in such a brilliant way to be able to ask those kind of questions yes and this film does it in a unique way and i really really love it mm. not to go too much down the whole uh film theory sort of mindset and things but there is the concept of like male gaze for example as g-a-z-e mm. and how men perceive films in their eyes and everything mm. and told from that but yeah one yes male gaze <laughs> the male gaze <laughs> the regular the, the gaze yes um and and this film is very much interesting i think i think there are two or three different ways of interpreting it depending on the kind of perspective that you bring mm. to it definitely and, because um, again there's so much in terms of arrogance and entitlement and trust and ma- manipulation and deception it's so fucking complex it's mm. great fucking you love can't it. work out who's manipulating who 
Mm. Or if they know they're manipulating the other person, or yeah. the other person even knows if they're being manipulated by the other person. Even in the end, no I can't, the I can't figure out who I sympathize with at all. Right. Even this day, I can't That's, figure out. Yep. 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 Which yeah. is brilliant science fiction. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Tim, Transformers? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I, Ex Machina was very nearly my pick, but I've I've kind of gone probably in the midpoint between Ex Machina and Transformers Age of Extinction, <laughs> uh, which is Captain America the Winter Soldier. Oh, that was a, high on my list. What a film. Which what a film. remains one of my, if not my favourite, MCU film. Oh, um, bold choice. I think it might be my favourite still. It's it's slightly overstated how much like Marvel's like, this film's going to be a paranoid conspiracy th- thriller and this yeah. film's going to be a heist film and this film's going to be, you know, whatever. We can do any genre we want yeah. because it's the Marvel Universe. I think that's slightly overstated, but I do think the way that they kind of brought in the flavour of, of thriller mm. and, and also kind of stuff like Bourne films, you know. Yeah, yeah You can yeah. feel that flavour in here. Um, I think the characterization of cap in this is so good oh yeah um his his interactions with sam wilson and with uh natasha and with bucky are all so well thought through and like i don't think chris evans gets enough credit for the performance that he puts in because that's a really to be that kind of straight arrow is a really hard role to make that interesting and charismatic without being preachy without without being without feeling preachy and without feeling corny and he just manages to nail it um it's got i don't think the action direction is as good as it could be which you know you've got the russo brothers coming off stuff like arrested development so you can Mm. kind of understand but i don't know the lift scene makes up for everything the the lift scene is great and like part of me wishes that they had got slightly better, you know, second unit or whatever. Sure. Because you look at some of the stunt work that's going on in that film, and it is incredible. Um, and I, there are points where I think the filmmaking doesn't quite do it justice, which is a shame. But is, is it Winter Soldier that has the fight on the stairway as well? Like, no, that's Civil War. That's Civil War. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, the 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 fight with the uh, on the kind of the highway overpass. Mm, yeah. Yes. Um, which. Uh, perfectly syncs with uh, Britney Spears Toxic if you want to <laughs> uh, throw that under there second mention for Toxic of, of the episode um, yeah that that is a brilliant bit of cat and mouse action and yeah. the, the when you finally have uh, Cap and the Winter Soldier like fighting that is that is some great action there mm. um, and yeah I just think it, it, it really shows it's the film that made kind of Cap become the heart of the mcu i think in a lot of ways because i think he'd the first avenger was a lot better than most people thought it would be yes um and but it had that very kind of retro styling to it and i think the question was always will this character work in the modern day will he Mm -hmm. work when we put him next to tony stark and you know all this kind of and the avengers tried to answer that but i don't think it gave it had enough space to answer that question and then Winter Soldier comes out and it goes, oh no, this character absolutely works in the modern day because he is the counterpoint to your Nick Furies yes. and your Black Widows. And watching him negotiate the modern day is, is fascinating. With a veteran like Sam as well. Yes. Who's like on the ground saying, we both understood this from different times and we've still both been pushed around by yeah. you know, a higher up secret dodgy agent. I mean, yeah. For me, 
Brew Baker, the guy who wrote the comics and uh, for mm-hmm. a certain period of time with Cap, made me really genuinely appreciate Captain America. Chris yeah, Evans agreed. and mm-hmm. this film made me love Captain America because yep. mm-hmm. I mean, as a grub as kid, you're like Captain America's bullshit. Like oh, America, because obviously being British, mm-hmm. we're always a bit stuck up about it. But in truth, yeah, Winter Soldier especially has always, always um, cut me a point where like this is my boy, mm-hmm. this is my favorite person in these things. Mm-hmm. So whenever someone's like, oh, what about this? That who would you pick, Cap? Cap, mm. Cap, I'm here for Cap. Yep. Cap is my thing. Yep. Um, so, for example, going forward, I'm like, yeah, no, I'll watch out. I'm looking for the MCU stuff, but mm, we're missing Chris Evans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it's a, good, it's a good choice. Yeah. What about the 2015? 2015 is another predictable highest grossing <laughs> film. Mm-hmm. Once again, from your boys at Disney. <laughs> That will be a running trend. Yeah, you may have noticed already from the highest grossing, and as will continue. Star Wars: The Force Awakens from 2015, and at the time of recording, we haven't seen Rise of Skywalker yet. No, so we'll see how this trilogy wraps up. But yeah, I think it's an orgy at the end. <clears throat> Midi chlorians everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Gross. Get Blue milk all over the place. Get that yeah. on a t-shirt. I won't wear it, but put it on a t-shirt. Uh, who wants to kick off 2015? I think you should. I will. Uh, so bouncing off my Calvary with, uh, you know, Catholic introspection and the nature of the the, the church and, and the nature of priesthood and abuse and all that stuff, uh, I'm going with Spotlight with the exact same fucking thing. <laughs> uh, Spotlight was fucking great. That was just a brilliant, brilliant story. Uh, the score is beautiful and, and very forlorn and cutting. The acting is amazing from every motherfucker in it. Um, it's You forget also it's a, partly a 9-11 story because mm. it's a period set around the same time and mm. every other story was put immediately on hold. doesn't matter how important it was and how, mm. how personal it was. It's like, it doesn't matter right now. This We are under, this is the end thing. And stuff. So it's a really good... Um, how can I phrase it? A very good uh, pocket capture of, of what it was like back then, this time capsule. Mm. But yeah, it's it's an astonishing film. It's it's the kind of film about journalism that will probably never be made again. Ooh. Because we don't have that kind of journalism anymore. Yeah, true. We have mouthpieces for, for um political mm, bodies. Yeah, it's it's true. not really the same thing. And I think that that investigative journalism has died off. Not well, maybe the process of dying, but it's not the same anymore. We go to things like John Oliver, even though, let's face it, as he has once attested himself. There are other actual investigators, mm. journalists doing these things, mm. and the amount of time, effort, work, and grueling, you know, subjection it goes through to get to these things. It, yeah, it's 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 an important film of the time, as it were. Mm. And I realized, and again, it got best picture for a good reason, in my opinion. Yeah. So that's my choice for twenty fifteen. What about you, Jack? Well, for the first time in this list, we cross over. Ooh. Oh, really? Terminator Genesis. No. <laughs> Genesis. Fuck, fuck no. Tim, I'll let you do the honors. Uh yes, the choice by Jack and I. Mad Max Fury Road. Yes. Very high on my list. <laughs> almost. Almost my name. Just another great sci-fi film for me. <laughs> no, it's unpredictable, but fuck me, I, this film is good. I and saw the trailer and thought this could be shit. And, and another way better than it has any right to be. Fucking hell yeah. Good lord, this film is good. And I'm going to say it, okay? Uh-oh. I'm going to fucking say it. Now I'm going to say it. 
Mad Max Fury Road is the best Mad Max film. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think if it... You sound, made it sound like a very controversial pick, and I'm like, <sighs> I, no. I, I, I think it definitely Road is. Warrior fans are like gritting their teeth yeah, and getting on sure. Twitter. But um, no. And the it... one Thunderdome guy is like... <laughs> <laughs> I love Tina Turner's legs. <laughs> What's this? Master, <laughs> Oh, he has the mind of a child. <laughs> I remember watching my wife for the first time and she cried. <laughs> she said, what? I said, yeah, it's just this, you know, this guy who probably got like, you know, um, Down syndrome. What happens in the, what happens to him? I said, watch. Why are you crying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was, it was, yeah. No, Thunderdome's all right. But that's not what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, no, Fury yeah. Road, though, Fury, Fury is astonishing filmmaking. It's so good. And it's so aggressively confident. Hmm. It's, it's a, a kind of directing team like with him and his wife and things like that, with, with editing and stuff. Just, just, Him being George Miller, by the way. Mm. My apologies, yes, George Miller. <laughs> where it's so strong and just like, you fucking know exactly what you're trying to get here. Mm. Even if no one, especially like Tom Hardy, has no idea what's going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, apparently nobody else knew what the fuck was no. going on. And Tom Hardy went back and apologised after saying that like, George Miller was so hard to work with. Yeah. He was just like storyboarding and scripting on the spot and had no idea what the fuck he was doing. Oh, turns out it was a masterpiece. Yeah, turns out he did work. Just enough time to explain it <laughs> yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Which, the, again, the fact that he was even made, because it was in production for like a decade in yeah. total, mm. and was filmed in like 2009 or something. It came out like 18 months or two years oh, after they wrapped it. So it was a play, long yeah. fucking time afterwards. And people just assumed like, did did they finish that? Was it cancelled? Mm. Mm. Did, did has anybody gotten paid? Like, what's happening? And Tom Hardy was like, oh, yeah. George Miller's doing something, I assume. Yeah, and he's stuff in Australia doing whatever he likes. I don't know. Yeah. So, Charlize, how would you feel? Uh, I, I don't know. Probably mm-hmm. come out at some point. Like, where is this film? What's happening? Mm. Yeah. And then finally, and it lived up to the bloody mm, hype. Christ, it's big. Yeah. A- a- and oh, I, I I could talk about it all day. Mm. Like, yeah. yeah, there's the amazing use of like stunts and uh in camera special effects there is also the amazing digital effects that are going on in that film yeah. like so much like it, it, george miller had gone away and done happy feet and happy feet too <laughs> yeah like which like who would have thought i know um and it, and had obviously done the babe films as well um what a weird fucking but, directorial path but yeah. had so like clearly like there's a generation of filmmakers out there who made some very good films who don't know how to do CGI and he had clearly gone away and he knew exactly what CGI is good at and exactly what it's bad at I agree. and he was able to get the absolute best out of what it can do and so he was able to do stuff like film during the day and then just be like make this a night show um and and all these other things and then he knew what stuff he needed to do physically and yeah, the result is just a blending ass- those two. Yeah, yeah. yeah the result yeah. is just a gorgeous film. The it- things you think are real aren't sometimes, and the things you think are fake are actually real. Like yeah. most of the time, it's the, the background is actually just they made a, like a actual canyon rather than just an endless desert and things, mm. taking a bit of like green screen stuff. But people doing weird, crazy, wacky shit—that's still real. The yeah. guys on the poles diving from exploding car to exploding car. Yeah, real shit. Yeah, yeah, mental. Yes, that exploding truck that is a fucking massive explosion in a canyon. Real shit, right yeah. there. Real explosions, real cars. And then, like you said, Tim, just like, now it's night time. And it's really creepy and weird. And there's mm. a guy 
walking through a swamp with some sticks for legs. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because Mad Max. Like, yeah. Okay. It's, it's that confidence cool. I love in the direction mm. where he's like, here's my vision. And not that sort of focus group mindset of, what do you think happened here? I don't really get it. Oh, we'll better take it out then. Uh, no. <laughs> I think I think that the lesson between this and Thor Ragnarok is that more movies should be made by great directors who get given a bag of money and then fuck off to the middle of nowhere in Australia <laughs> and just make the film they want to make yeah. and, and, and have executives be like, oh, we can't be bothered to go out there and meddle. Can we just like Skype them? And then they just kind of stand up in front of the, sc- uh, the Skype screen and go, yeah, it's going great. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Send more money and uh, Losing uh, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll see you at the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So yeah, 2015, good wrap up. Definitely. 2016, highest grossing film. Mentioned earlier. Yes. Yep. yep. Teased. Captain America Civil War. Partly surprising. Really? Well, no, because the, the, the MCU was fucking Spider-Man. huge at this no, no, point. I meant the fact that um, when it was announced, it was like, oh, Cap 3. And uh, and it was just... Nobody t- thinks this is Cap 3. That's no, no, the thing. No, but at the, t- at the time, it was announced as just... Before they had the title mm. of Civil War, it was just Cap 3. Well, they did Captain America and the Serpent Society. And everybody <laughs> was like, yeah, what? <laughs> but Who, the thing is, the, they had the, the, that staring contest with DC. Mm. And, uh, or Warner Brothers. They said, we're going to release Batman and Superman in the same week. And like... We don't give a fuck. Yeah. We're going to blow you out of the water. Civil. <laughs> it's civil war. War. And then immediately they moved and went, okay, well, we'll release ours different days. Like, well, good luck with your... And let's face it, 800 million was a good budget. Mm. It's a good, a good box office, but it's it's not... it's not That ain't Disney, yeah, ain't Disney. bro. That ain't Disney money. Yeah. <laughs> and in less than a billion, we don't give a shit. <laughs> and it helps that civil war is... A, is it's a recognisable brand. It's a recognised... It helps the Civil War's a good film as well. Yes, oh, that's yeah, like, very, true. I, I, that's very true. You know, I don't think it's the best that they have to offer, but... Fucking amazing to, villain, though. Christ. Great villain. Mm. Um, I, like, Daniel I Brawl's think... great in that film. For, for what they had to cram in, they actually did a pretty good job of reaching some kind of conclusion with the Bucky stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah like, the, 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 the way they managed to integrate it. And I tell you what, better than the Civil War comics. Agree. I agree. I agree. Um, makes makes more of a case for both sides this uh, rather than just having Iron Man become a villain all of a sudden. Yeah. He's still a, a bit of a whiny little bitch who is wrong, but it yeah. still makes sense. And you go, yeah. actually, I, I get it. And also, as you say, it's the film that introduced both Black Panther and Spider-Man. Yeah. And it's like, well, done. Yeah. The fact that you introduced both of those characters in the same film Yeah, and it's neither of them, like on the title card no. is insane. It, yeah. This is this is the MCU in what I think of as kind of like its swaggering stage. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It just goes like, yeah, we can put, like, yeah, we'll do... We've got a new Spider-Man. It's, uh, it's Captain you. America 3. We're going to finish off telling the story that we, we were telling with the other two. We're also going to do a crossover, and it's basically going to be Avengers 2.5. Yep. And also, uh, we're going to introduce Black Panther, and, uh, oh yeah, Spider-Man's in it now as well. Yeah. And then we'll put in the trailer with... What's up, guys? I was like, oh, yeah. fuck's hey. sake. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I can I can understand that. Yeah. But we didn't pick it. But we didn't pick it. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, but we didn't pick it. Uh, it's close, but it's not right. Yes. What uh, did we pick, Matthew? I personally... Um, okay. Uh-oh. Okay. So, time to go to Korea. Story time with Uncle Stockton. Uh, sit down, boys and girls. Time um, to go to Korea. <laughs> yeah, time to go to Korea. <laughs> With Uncle Matt. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll you take can you sit down. on his lap. It's fine. No, do not sit on my lap. <laughs> not during this film. Not during this film. Um, I love uh, Chanwick Park or Park Chanwick, depending on how you want to do the surname arrangement. And um, he's a director of Old Boy and other bits and pieces. He's really, really, really accomplished. Beautiful visuals, really commanding of a film set, and wonderful, wonderful stories. And horrible fucking subject matter. Horrible subject matter. <laughs> and fuck me, The Handmaiden is amazing. It's an adaptation of uh, a separate novel entirely, um, and set in like Victorian London and things like that. But they moved it to. Um, pre-war um, sorry wasn't even South Korea at the point pre-war Korea because uh, it was United Peninsula at that point and it is one of the most amazingly erotic things I've ever seen <laughs> I fucking love that film so much it's so beautiful and so fucked up and so twisted and again talk about you know male gaze on film sort of thing this, this thing is just astounding and it's brilliant because when you get halfway through and think to yourself this is this is some powerful cinema. I mean, yeah, I'm hard as a rock, but it's powerful <laughs> cinema. And then the story turns itself on its head and it shifts and retells the entire thing from a different perspective. And they go, oh, fuck! This is a... Gr- oh, god damn you! And then it does it again. It's just so god... But it's so hard to recommend because you're like, hey, watch this film. It's really powerful. It's so amazingly directed. The cinematographer stand the actors amazing. What's in it? Tons of scissoring and shit. Like, the pussy and... <laughs> Tits and fucking oh god, it's good. You bite this man bites a peach and it goes everywhere. It's such a good analogy. Sploosh, but it's so beautiful because the the love story. And you're like, okay, but it's an amazing fucking film. I really genuinely love it. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Even with all the peaches and scissoring in the world. Uh, yeah. So if you disagree with me, the fuck's your problem? But if you agree with me. Yeah, I, I, I get it. <laughs> Eat that peach. <laughs> uh, over to you, Tim. Why uh, did you pick The Handmaiden? <laughs> I did not pick The Handmaiden. My, <gasps> Have my you seen The Handmaiden? Has, as far as I'm aware, no scissoring. Oh. Well. But who knows what they were doing behind the glass. Yeah. Uh, because... Oh, a lot of tentacles going on. Yeah, my pick is Arrival. Oh. Which is a great film. Mm. Um, which... Fantastic. You know, we've we've given a lot of love, uh, especially Jack, to kind of cerebral sci-fi. Yeah, and this is, you know, it's it's one of those stories that you wonder how they're going to tell it. Um, Absolutely, you know. And... I heard the pitch going in. It was mm-hmm. like we don't know how to communicate with aliens, and Amy Adams work out how to communicate with aliens. Mm. What? <laughs> it's well, a, what? It's a fucking linguistics film. Like, yeah. yeah, it's a film about linguistics. What? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Jeremy Renner's in it. Does he have a bow and arrow? No, no. <laughs> He's also a scientist. Is he? He's a fucking what? <clears throat> um, yeah, just uh, a go- another gorgeous film, mm. like stunning to look at. Um, and a, all the swirly inky, things. all the yeah. swirly inky things. The design is amazing. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. What well, one of those films that. You know, the aliens truly feel like aliens, yeah. um, you know, and truly feel otherworldly. Yeah. Uh, and um, and Amy Adams is great. She's a, I know you're m- not a fan of Amy Adams, on uh, Amy but Adams. she's amazing in this. Yeah. Yeah. She's a, she's an actress I really like. <clears throat> I think um, she doesn't always pick the best roles or get given the best roles. There's some things. Sure. But um, yeah, I think in, especially in this, she's. She terrific. dominates the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's her film, and um, uh, she she absolutely 
does everything she can with it. And um, it's weird because technically, it's a weird parallel with the film Contact mm, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jodie Foster. Yeah. Except this one is a very different tone. It's a different decade entirely. Mm. Uh, and Denis Villeneuve is just, just again amazing. amazing. Denis Villeneuve yeah. has done no wrong. He d- he has done no wrong. He is. I agree with fan that. Fan bloody tastic. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got fucking Dune coming out with Timothy Chalamet coming out. Oh, it's so amazing. Oh, Even if it Villeneuve isn't. Villeneuve doing Dune. Yes, please. <laughs> but no, Arrival is, again, another one close contender in my top mm. picks as well. Absolutely. But yeah, the, 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 the ladies. The... <laughs> oh, dear. We've I lost Matt for the again. evening. Handmaiden's so good. And, the, oh, and Arrival is good too. But... <laughs> and the ladies. Oh, so much oh. better than Aliens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now over to Jack for a very unerotic entry. Super erotic and cerebral sci-fi. It's Star Wars. <laughs> this Rogue is, One. This is an interesting a Star one. Wars story. Because mm. Rogue One, I, I must admit, I reviewed in time and said, I really enjoy this. This is great. Feels like I'm playing Imperial Assault, which Tim GM for me at one point. Yep. And um, I, I thought it was exactly what Star Wars needed. And the further I go away from it, the more problems I have with it. Interesting. I still love it. I felt the same way you did mm. at first, and I still feel that way. That's fine. That's it's everything I love about Star Wars. Mm. It's the weird, grimy side <laughs> stories of Star Wars that I find interesting. I find the universe really interesting, but I don't particularly give a fuck about Skywalkers and That's all that fair. bollocks. Have you seen The Mandalorian yet? No, not at all. Because I live in the UK, Matthew, and I can't watch it legally. Uh, I have uh, a face that exists in other continents, so I can see <laughs> things. Uh, it's a privilege of being a dummy. I, uh, I can't tell you, but I will. Um, it's fucking great, yeah. and it, for that exact reason, the Mandalorian feels like exactly what that's why it's I'm been so trying to excited do. for. Yeah, yeah, that where it's not like good versus evil, and it's all very clean no. cut and midichlorians and uh, immaculate birth and all that bollocks <laughs> that is introduced. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing people forget about Star Wars. It features immaculate birth. Jesus. Fuck you, Star Wars. There was no father. <sighs> Could it be me, Quagajin? Ignore the force bollocks and just get to like a good war story. Yeah. It's basically just a really good war film. It, set, it is, yeah. Set in Star Wars. And then that fucking scene at the end with the red lightsaber <laughs> and the corridor. Is, oh, is that your Matthew so in the cinema watching hand? That, that, <laughs> that's my scissoring, Matt. That's what that is. That, that, that Vader scene is my man sucking on a peach. <laughs> <laughs> so good so good I I, I think um, Felicity Jones is fantastic in this um, yeah uh, uh, Alan Tudyk is the K2SO as K2SO mm, yeah. yeah yeah again another iconic iconic Star Wars role um, just so subtle but yeah. everyone loves the shit out of it most of the time yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Diego Luna is fantastic as well Mads Mikkelsen's great in it mm. Mendo my boy Ben Mendelsohn who I yeah. just, I just love yeah always great yeah Apart from that scene where he meets Darth Vader and it's all a bit weird. We'll ignore that bit in yeah. Darth Vader's castle because that's a sentence. There's there's a way Gareth Edwards directs where he says, just let's go for like five different deliveries and we'll see what works post. And that's kind of good, kind of awful. And so, for example, when you see the trailer, you see him, the power of the station, brother. Yeah. And he's like, he's berating Vader. <laughs> yeah. And then you see the cut in the film. He's like in an entirely different location saying, I have said what I, I feel. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Yes. Um, it, it, it's a very weird one. And, but the thing is, a lot of people give discredit to Edwards. He did. He was on set to help fix that film but by, I can't remember the name of the writer. who actually ended up rewriting and reading mm. kind of things. Yeah. But yeah, it, I still maintain it. it's a very strong 
it proved that you could do other side Star Wars stories and they would be just as good. It's, and yeah, it's by far my favourite of the three we have had so far. Three, four. Solo. Oh, fuck off, Solo. <laughs> I didn't count Solo. That but yes, you're, you're right, you're right, Tim. Four. Um, I assume it still will be. I can't imagine Rise of Skywalker being better it's to me a lot than, in it. than Rogue One. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I don't care for Rogue One. Fair enough. Yep. Do you like The Last Jedi? I do. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Awkward. Yeah. I like so, Force Awakens, too. I like Force Awakens a lot. I, I, I like the Force Awakens. I'm not gonna lie. I kind of like all of them because the thing about Star Wars yeah. is it's such as an event that you just go to a cinema and you have a good time no matter what. Mm. In my opinion, no. uh, I'm in too deep, man. Well, <laughs> can I interest you in Ro- the Handmaiden? <laughs> Rogue, Rogue <laughs> One was one of those ones where I kind of enjoyed it in the cinema, and then the more I thought about it, I was like, mm, doesn't work for me. But I get it. Yeah, that's fair. Fair enough. 2017. The Future. (laughs) That's a 1980s film. (laughs) Speaking of Star Wars. Speaking of The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi is the highest grossing film of 2017. It'll be a crossfire. Fucking Disney, isn't it? Fucking, it's a good film. Guess what's going to be the highest grossing film of 2019? Maybe. I don't think so. I don't think Endgame's still going to be it. Still Disney, though, isn't it? That's the important thing. Disney's been... All the money. And that's what almost everything they punched out this year has been made a billion, except Dumbo. Mm. Uh, <laughs> 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 I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know but I'd, yeah, most of the big things they play out might do. Probably. Couple, I mean, people give a do. shit about Melissa for, for some I don't know reason. Why they do? But, yeah. yeah. So, 2017, Last Jedi. Did anyone pick it? Nope. Nope. No. No. I like it, but not that much. Uh, Tim, you want a gene? Uh, I'll go first. Um, my pick is 20th Century Women. Ah. Which um, I've I think I've raved to you, gentlemen, about you have off it. air yeah. before. Indeed, I, I like it. It's good. Yeah, it's oh, another it's brilliant. Mm. But I like it a lot. Yeah, Benning. Um, it's another coming of age film, yeah. which I do I do enjoy my uh, my teens with drama. I'm glad you said that because that got really good. <laughs> <crazy. laughs> I love my teens. Matt likes oh, his his scissoring, and Tim <laughs> likes his teens. And Jack likes sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> I like the future on planes that are in space. Why am I Mickey Mouse all of a sudden? I like being in a cinema and not being able to do anything about what's going on in my trout. Nope, not saying that. That's really weird. Harrison Ford watching that. <laughs> oh, anyway, Tim, 20th um, century women, Tim. Yeah, I think uh, Mike Mills is a is a great director. <laughs> I agree. Um, I think he is really good at. Uh, again, capturing people who feel like people. Um, it's that sounds like an obvious thing, but it's, it's way more it's, difficult it's than you lot, think it is. Yeah. He um, makes people seem like humans. You're like, oh yeah, that's really important. Mm-hmm. Watch yeah. a conversation in a film. Watch a conversation in real life. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, it's one of those films where it felt uh, it's a, an odd compliment to give it. It felt like it was based on a book. Because it felt yeah, like, like the, it, it felt like the world was so rich, and that every uh, kind of in read in watching the film, I could almost like imagine the scenes being written out and having the kind of depth of tone and of knowing every character's kind of motivations, mm. and that's and 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 a kind of sense of memory as well that you get that that film kind of can't do in the same way. 
as a book can and yet i had it in this film like which yeah, is a really yeah. like it's one of those really it's a really eph- interesting way of putting it yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's a kind of ephemeral thing that's really hard to do and this film was full of it um and uh yeah great performances annette benning's so good in this film uh, yeah um, for me I've sold it uh greta gerwig great in it um Billy Crudup, who is uh, never seemed to kind of like properly break through, but yeah, I, I think is. Yeah, I was going to say, a... when you said Manhattan, I was like, I know exactly who you mean. Can't remember his name. Can't remember anything else he's yeah. been in. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, that guy. He's constantly doing like small things where he's really good. Um, but doesn't poor Billy it's Wait, yeah. the, the, the Mark Ruffalo thing where you say yeah. amazing yeah. support and then you think yeah. why isn't this guy a lead yeah and then there's no good answer yeah yeah like a Billy Crudup Hulk could have been really interesting <laughs> yeah actually um, yeah like I, he, yeah it's it's a film full of great performances um, like Elle Fanning great in it I can't remember the name of the main actor who plays the the kind of focal uh young teenage boy in it annoyingly neither can i um but um i'm pretty sure he's done a couple of other things since Mm. then and he's he's great as well Mm. um yeah just just one of those films that like i can watch it and it'll put me in a good mood no matter how i'm feeling beforehand so yeah which for certain cinema is all you need that um emotional vampire mindset of Mm. i need something that's going to give me a feeling that i can't replicate myself yeah I need that to just mm. give it to me. But mostly pe- people associate that with music. Mm. Like, I need this song. Oh, that's my jam. I feel mm. good now. It's my, it's my, because it's like in three or four minutes long. Mm. But there are certain films that you can just go, I want to stop the world mm. for an hour and a half or two hours and mm. just, yeah, feel that, make the connection. And speaking of music, fantastic soundtrack mm. um, in this film. Like, <laughs> such a, it's like set in the kind of, uh, late 70s early 80s i want to say like sure. like 79 or something and it's got a load of great like early punk but then like other music around that period so mm. very good mix. very good for the ears yeah jackie boy logan yep that was close to my one as well yep um one of the few films of the last the last decade probably funnily enough that I I went to see it with my partner Emma and we both came out of it and we just looked at each other and we were like that was fucking amazing yeah. like that exceeded every expectation I had for it and I went in fairly I'm not one of the kind of guys that avoids you know trailers on purpose or anything like that but I didn't really know what to expect like they could really nail this or they could really fuck this up and I yeah. have no idea which yeah. way this is going to go and I've just loved everything about it it's probably my favorite X Men film of that of that I'm, of no, that no, series. X two X two is great. Mm. Days of Future Past is great. First Class is great. But Logan is just something so special, and it was the 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 culmination of everything Hugh Jackman has put in, and the culmination of everything Patrick Stewart has put into it as well. Mm. Yeah. And seeing the two of them really kind of connect emotionally in that film, and you really believe the relationship that those two characters have been through and they've known legit worked with each other for like nearly 20 years at this point. And also the characters have known each other for so long as well and, and been through so much shit and yeah, it just really worked. There's amazing, powerful moments. They do justice to X 23, which is really fucking hard to do. Mm -hmm. I think they could have, that was the bit I was really worried about when you kind of found out like, Oh, they're introducing Laura. Mm. Mm. they're gonna fuck this up aren't they and they didn't Mm. she's great and she's also silent for the first 45 minutes which (laughs) is fantastic Mm. 
and they build her up in this brilliant way. The villains aren't brilliant, but they're Fine. interesting enough, and they mm. do the job, and they they kind of the way you get the like found footage kind of thing of learning the the journey of the kids and the all that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. that works really well. It, it twists the kind of old man Logan thing on its head as well, and I, I mm. love the original old man Logan mm-hmm. series. And yeah, I just think it did everything right for that character. And spoilers, they sent him off in a really nice yeah. goodbye to yeah. to Jackman's work and the character. It's um, it's a film that retroactively makes the Wolverine, the second Wolverine <laughs> film, better. Absolutely, because yeah. it, because 100%. that film sets up the ending of this one. Yes, uh, in a really clever way. Um, and also just to go back to X twenty three, Laura Kinney. Um, when the Footblade came out, uh, I almost did a little cheer in the cinema. Because oh, I, I did. Was, I did. I was so sure that they they'd be like, "No, that's too dumb and comic booky. We're not going to put that in." And then it came out, and I was like, "Fuck yes!" <laughs> it got a like yes, yeah. Oh, like a fist pump from me in the cinema. Yeah, for yeah. me, I, I I genuinely, I mean, I wrote this in my review for uh, if you're in Britain, Le Mans '66. If you're in America, Ford versus Ferrari, and that's out tomorrow over here in in Britain. And uh, James Mangold as a director, um, whether it's a big sort of film, even like The Wood Wolverine or a small sort of film, um, or like 320 Humor and these things, even like Kate and fucking Leopold with T. Jackman, you and you and you. <laughs> even those sorts of things, he manages to make it about a central character study that you can be drawn into. So yep. it could be a big fucking action film, it could be a big comic film, a western, wherever it's going to be, and it'll still give you a nice little thing. Even, again, like The Wolverine, mm. it's still about this out of you know, uh, fish out of water sort of situation. Yeah, it yeah. makes it a very, a very simple, relatable character driven thing. And the Log- Logan is just a great example of that because it's, as you say, it's the, arguably the best X-Men film and it's got very little in the way of what you would expect from an X-Men film. Mm. It's so, I mean, if you go from, if you were to say, hello, child of 2001 or whatever it is, <laughs> um, do you enjoy this X-Men film? Yeah, it's really good. I like the black leather. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> here's Thank Logan. God they got rid of those silly suits and fucking hell. It's like here's Logan. You would, you couldn't, no. you have to grow up with the films. Yeah, to get I to that very, point. very much grew up with those films. I mean, like yeah. you said, 2001. I was what 11 at that point, yeah, so I was sure. like perfect fucking age. I was reading X Men comics. Yeah, yeah. I was so into it, and it was just perfect timing. And that whole franchise has just kind of grown up with me yeah. as I've grown older, and. Yeah, and then this Logan is the beat. perfect mm. culmination to that. Mm. Mature. Yeah. Okay, so um, <clears throat> shit's about to get real, folks. Shit's about to get real because I have real. no idea what the fuck Matt's about <laughs> yeah. to talk about. We've been to Korea. Now we're heading to India. Uh, that was my guess. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm going with Bahubali two, the conclusion. Um, it's that actually the subtitle. The conclusion. Seriously. Bahubali <laughs> one is called the beginning. Um, <laughs> uh, sure it's not the first like beginning, middle, and conclusion. <laughs> there was no middle, it's just two films. Um I I admittedly watched both these back to back because it's when the second one came out and I watched the first one at the same time. I was like, oh I don't know what this fucking was. All I knew was it was the highest grossing film in India ever. And I was like, what the fuck is this thing? <laughs> and the second one became the highest grossing film in India ever. And there's Avengers a lot of people in India. I don't damn know right, people yeah. know that. Um, <laughs> and it is fucking amazing. <laughs> I 
love Bahubali. Um, I and it's the kind of thing I've always really enjoyed Bollywood stuff. Um, I just don't always have the time for it because I'm like, I mean, I go to the cinema six hours for three of those hours are for dance I, moves. I, I no, recently I watched, watched Syra in the cinema, and um, um, it if you don't know, it's, it's sort of a heightened version of a real story uh, during colonial. Uh, British colonial rule of India and there's so many moments you're just like sinking in your chair going oh fuck we're the worst people in history oh god oh god I mean I'm half Irish so I suppose it's fine <laughs> it's not all me um, but it's it's you know it's, you know English guys whipping people and then you know there's this passion speech this is my land holding up dirt and saying you know this is this is you you can leave and then an English guy says something and then throws a kid in the fire and you think yeah, <laughs> we suck yeah. um, but every time I go to see these films Great music, great scores, and there's a fucking intermission. And I'm like, what? <laughs> the lights come up, everyone leaves, and everyone comes back in again. It's so weird. Later. It's so weird. But Bahubali... Re- okay. I recommend anybody who's curious about Bollywood films to watch these movies. Interesting. You will need to chisel out about seven or eight hours. <laughs> Welcome to Matty Recommends Long Ass Films from oh, Abroad again. God. No, it's two films, and it's fucking amazing. It's a story um, of... I don't know, that's boiling... It's a story about this uh, medieval sort of period. Okay. Part fantasy, part reality kind okay. of stuff. Um, and it's about a kid. Well, you or- could say absolutely anything right now and be like, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's about yeah. a young... Yeah, I'll be brief. It's a young man and uh, he um, finds out that he's actually some descent of a different person entirely. It's like, oh, this is my family. It's a bit Star Wars in that regard almost. And then he finds out that his uncle is this evil king and it's great and then half of the story is godfather 2 style where it's the flashback about the dad it's star wars Played... meets godfather yeah <laughs> star wars meets godfather yeah um meets gladiator and <laughs> um and at the same time i should point out that the dad and the son are played by the same actor one with a mustache one with a beard and it's fucking great <laughs> what <laughs> yeah and the song oh, I point out, it, 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 the, uh, it's all played because the dad's long dead by the time the kids are around, so it's not like he's saying the same time on screen. Right? Okay. It's not, it's I not, thought it like it's he not a winter boss moment. And then he's like, "See you later, Dad." He's like, "Thanks, Dad." No, it's great, and it's it's the it's an amazing quotable film. I fucking love it, and the, and it's it's so it's a great instruction to extreme. Um, uh, what's I'm looking for here? A blockbuster Indian Bollywood, and this is actually Tollywood because it's a Tamil film, uh, sort of film, and because it's so over the top. And everything is so superhero. Everybody is Captain America. And everyone's like a super soldier. Okay, now I'm sold. And it's like, at one point, they're storming a castle. I'm like, how do we do it? I know, we'll pull back these palm trees and we'll put... <gasps> oh, off... I've seen that. Have you seen yeah. That? With yeah. The, with the, and they with the form shields. into a ball. Yeah. And they fly And they the certainly air. crash out and just like yeah. beat the show. That's Bahubali. And it's fucking amazing. There's a bit where there's like this genius moment where there's like, oh, I'm, I'll take... There's two brothers in the flashback are, are, are quarreling, which bit later the evil King Uncle and, and, and Bahubali. And... <laughs> It's a fun thing to say. And basically they said, I'll take the cavalry. And it's like, oh shit. And, and the evil, shrivel-handed uh, sort of stepdad's like, ah, yes, brilliant. My son will be the king and he'll be, he will rule this battle. Like, brilliant. And by the way, you get this 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 boring-ass catapult sort of set up. And it's like, all right, fine. And then he comes up with this amazing plan to fire these catapults with these giant boulders and these tents basically attach them. And, this is, and we talk like mammoth, huge things that are like, 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 you know, not like a, a half a mile, but you know, huge, huge things. Anyway, and then it lands, and it's like, oh, I don't understand. Slow them down a bit. It's a bit weird. And then he fires off this one flaming arrow, and all covered in gasoline. And it's like, <laughs> oh, this is amazing. <laughs> this is so ridiculous and so over the top. He punches a bull in the face. It's just, <laughs> it's so, it's so good. Uh, it's, and again, I can't, I can't express that. So if you, if you're thinking to yourself, ah, 
I've never really gotten to, to Bollywood films. I've never really gotten to Indian cinema. Watch these films. They are fucking over the top. The music's great. The songs are amazing. The dancing's cool. The the blood and the action is amazing. The the fights are so ridiculous. It's fucking great. It's great. Not like <laughs> Handmaiden great, where I'm like, it's great. <laughs> but it is similar. Like, it's so fucking cool. <laughs> and it's funny. It's really funny. Sounds like it has everything. It has everything. I'm going to be told now, like, everyone goes, like, Indian cinema, like, it's fucking stupid blockbuster. Fuck off. Yeah. But it's great. I really like it. It was my favorite film that year. We're in 2018 now, I believe. We are. Yeah. Racing towards the present. Oh. Disney's at it again. Infinity War is the highest grossing film of 2018. Surprise, bloody surprise. It's a good film. Spoilers for 2019. More Disney. <laughs> Coming at you. Yeah. What could it be? Yeah. Um, shall I go first considering mine isn't the same as you guys? Certainly. Yeah. I was going to go with what you guys said because it's a fucking fair choice. I wonder what yours is. But, uh, I'm going to pull it back to the Alex Garland that I did pick. Yeah. Uh, Annihilation is amazing. Very high mm. on my list as well. Annihilation is so goddamn Cerebral good. sci-fi done by Alex Garland. I know. I, I still don't understand how Alex Garland's like, I've saved Dread. It's like, brilliant. Go make another film. I've made Ex Machina. It's got like a load of Oscar nominations. Brilliant. I've made this film. Ooh, should we just bump it next? Check out so, Netflix. Yeah, fuck's fine. sake! I've, I made this film with uh, like an Oscar winner as doing a main performance, yeah. and like three other highly acclaimed actresses in it. And uh, oh, and Oscar Isaac. Oh, Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Um, Slap Benedict Wong in the start as well, just randomly. Yeah. Like, oh, should we put that on the cinema? Nah, people might think it's too weird. Yeah. So we change it. it was like, don't change it. So like, release it as it is on Netflix. And I missed the minute. I. I, I Think it's an amazing film. I'm glad I saw it, and I was like, "This has got a good reach now. This is great." I wish I'd seen it in a fucking cinema. I'm really annoyed that we haven't had like cinemas in the UK just doing like one-off screenings. That would I, I'm nice. sure. I'm yeah. sure they probably yeah. have, but I haven't had There's a chance some, to go some, to some indie cinemas. Yeah, I probably did. Yeah. 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 Some, sometimes you do get those things, but it's so hard to find them. Mm. And then if you like, we've got like two or three showings only. Uh, to qualify it for award season sort of yeah. stuff and it's like and are you going to be able to see it not the times they're showing it yeah but no Annihilation for me it was great I loved it uh, I still think it's a really powerful cinema um, my wife really likes the trilogy of books I think it's a trilogy yeah. um, of uh, books written about the, um, the Southern Southern Reach that's it yes yes Jeff Vandervoort yes yeah. I thought so right Vandervoort yeah Vandervoort yeah Vandervoort yeah. Vandervoort yeah. Vandervoort yeah. Vandervoort. and yes. ultimately I could see this going on to be more, but it doesn't need to. It just mm. ends much like Ex Machina, where it's like, yeah, you could do more. It's like, mm. don't, don't, just leave it like this. It's yeah. great. Fucking love it. Don't answer it's, the questions. No, the music's great. It's so eerie visuals. It's just, I really love it. Mm. Yeah. But, gentlemen, what you picked is a fucking amazing film, so I'll pitch it to you too. Maybe think- my favourite comic book movie. Uh, it's Full ooh. stop. I'm, I'm not- I, 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 yeah, I, I'd like, I would have to put some serious thought into whether... It's a bold I could, statement, I know. I think it's, it's the closest it's thing one. to a comic come to life we've seen on screen. I, I I agree, and I also think it does more. Like I it agree. Does, it, it transcends it the genre. It basically, in, in, yeah. it feels like at certain points it is reinventing like what can be done with animation on film. Absolutely. Yep. Agreed. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. He's a fucking masterpiece. When they announced it, saying that we're doing an animated Spider-Man film and a Venom film, I shat all over it and said, mm. this is going to be stupid. Why would you do an animated Spider-Man film now, you fucking idiots? Mm. And then, of course, when I saw it, I realized that it is... 
it, there's so much nuance and so much layering to it. Mm. It's just a fucking phenomenal film. And I think, to be fair, it will... I genuinely think dictate how a lot of people look at their own animated films. Mm. Because, I mean, I was watching The Addams Family the other day. A piece of shit. And it's everything seems so flat and boring. Mm, yeah. Everything seems so flat compared to that film. Where it's just put, it yep. puts so much effort in that it's, it, it leaves everybody behind like, oh, maybe... Maybe in the same way that you know, eighty science fiction. There's lots mm. of really good stuff, and then something like I don't know, Terminator or the Thing comes mm. along, and you think we're not trying hard enough. Yeah, <laughs> Christ, we need to up our game. And yeah, it it everything like <laughs> just the fact that both Tim and I went ah yeah, and made sound like a stop it. <laughs> it's such a great voice cast, like delivering like top of the game performances true and the animation is just out of this world like the like the level of thought and like you say the the level of effort put mm. into it and stuff like the designers as well like oh, they, they make they take stuff from the comics and make it look like we've never seen it before like mm. yeah. how many different iterations of the kingpin have we seen mm. how many different iterations of doc hock have we seen yeah. how many different iterations of peter parker have we seen mm. Or Mary Jane, or whoever the mm. fuck. Like, considering Vincent D'Onofrio plays one of the most amazing oh, versions of Kingpin on television, mm, with Matt Murdock mm. in, in, mm. in Daredevil, Liv Schreiber's version is equally fucking amazing. Yep. Yeah, how and can you have the two did, iconic performances in like terrifying? Two years? And in the same way, like D'Onofrio's one, like you said, from Daredevil, he becomes a sympathetic character. Yep, mm. you bring the family element into him <clears> without <throat> spoiling anything, <throat> and it makes this amazing. Like he's an asshole. Like he, I mean, he does terrible, terrible things. Mm, yep. And he's the bad guy. But he's kind of doing it for a justifiable reason ish. Yeah. It's like, okay, hmm, is he such a bad guy? And any film that can get you kind of feel that way about a comic book villain. Because usually you think, like, oh, a comic book villain is mm. kind of a derogatory term you use yeah. towards villains in cinema. Oh, it's another yeah. fucking Marvel villain. It's copy-paste, it's it's palette swap of the good guy and make him a bad guy. Oh, it's the evil captain. It's Black Panther, but yellow, but he's evil, yeah. or whatever. Like, oh, no, it's going to be terrible. They fucking nailed it. Like, this is a brilliant example of getting you kind of subvert the hero Mm -hmm. with peter parker's character you subvert the villain with the kingpin and everything bringing it all together like you said the attention to detail the animation the soundtrack the music the voice acting Mm -hmm. it's all immaculate which is no mean feat considering black panther and infinity War came out the same year with the amazing fucking villains Mm. yep and, and yeah, I, I used the example there. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it could be a pilot swap Black Panther. Exactly, like, exactly. But Killmonger is fucking brilliant. Mm. Yeah. And again, another very believable, justifiable villain. Yeah. Like, mm. He's kind of right. No, yeah, I'm yeah. kind mm. of on his side yeah. with this. That's weird. Mm. But to do that again. Oh, and then he can try to kill everybody. Yeah, with, mm. to do that without the setup of the MCU as well, just go and say, yeah. I mean, you kind of know who Doc Ock is at this point, but no, I don't know, but nobody. But do you? You didn't think <laughs> this one? It's like, oh, shit. Yeah. That, that moment in the cinema. Like, because they, like, you had seen, I think Kingpin had showed up in the trailers, and I think maybe, like, Lizard Prowler had, like, shown up in yes, in Prowler, the trailers yeah. a little bit, but they had not given any hints that there was going to be a Doc Ock in not, this no, film. No, 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 no. And Doc Ock is, like, arguably the Spider-Man villain. Yeah. He's one of the big ones. Sure. Like, and 
it's such a great version of the character and the fact that you they managed to keep that secret and have that reveal and the like you could hear around the cinema as everyone like slowly well not slowly because it because it happened quite quickly but you could hear it in real time as everyone twigged as what the, the tentacles f- as the tentacles start coming out fuck what yeah. yeah oh my god um yeah and then you go back and rewatch it and you're like oh my god like her glasses are octagons and yep. there's octagons in her lab and yeah, you in fact yeah. can see the tentacles on the table at some point but they're not the part you're paying it just attention looks like to pipes and stuff yeah and stuff like like they set up uh the scorpion in Spider-Man Homecoming Yes. Like he's he's a minor character in it that goes to prison, um, and you th- it's like oh maybe we'll have him in you know the third Spider-Man film or whatever. Sure. And I kind of don't want them to because even though he's like a villain with about two lines in this film, mm. the design of Scorpion in Spider Verse is yeah. so good and so different from what's in the comics, but so like brilliant. Mm. And I'm like, they're not going to do it better in live action, like. Yeah, like, I, I and and it's not the kind of, like Scorpion is not one of those characters where you're like, oh, but there's so much emotional texture to, <laughs> no. to explore there. It's like, no, he's just a mercenary who's an asshole. Um, yeah. but they made him look so interesting in this film, and and that's just such a tiny part of it. Mm. Um, and you have like the 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 stuff where they're like, oh, um. To start with, Peter Parker's or Peter B. Parker's animation is much smoother than Miles's, because yeah, um, yeah. they're animating like one on every frame and one on every other frame. And then when Miles like fully accepts his powers and the mm-hmm. uh, and being Spider Man, he's then animated much more smoothly and just like ah oh, mm, masterpiece. From, I think Mwah. classic. Uh, classic animation frame rate to mm. contemporary animation frame rates mm. and it's stuff like it's nerd shit that people won't get yeah and there's no reason they should um like when someone's saying like oh my name's peter parker or something like that. and in the background there's a sign that says very much like a tiny in the background that says just wrong mm. yeah. and there's yeah. so much layering in it it's yeah just fucking great that's it that's the thing it's it's <coughs> invisible details that i that people aren't picking up on consciously but you know that it, it's ultimately there, yeah. it's having an effect on your viewing experience of it um and the commitment of the animators and and of everyone doing the film to mm. to, to make that, that yeah. to make that work to make those invisible little touches that ultimately lead to such a hot, a kind of higher level experience mm. um you know alan moore bear with me <laughs> um, so like Watchmen, for example, saying that, saying that it can only exist in that form because mm. of the nature of the the format. I think that Spider Verse is something that could only well not only be no fuck it I'll say it can only be a film. Yep, mm. it can't be anything else. It can't be it can only uh, be an animated maybe, film. Yeah, yeah, well. it can't be yeah. pretty TV. Has to be animated. Mm. Uh, d- there are things you can't convey in comic form. Mm. Um, it's arguably not even TV form because you kind of want to see it in the cinema. Mm. You need to see that big ass screen. Yeah. Mm. Uh, maybe not the 3D as such. I think 3D loses a bit of the um, the niceness of the, mm. of the of the depth of field they put in there with the different separation. But mm. yeah, I, I I can again. It would have been easier of choice for me as well that one. Mm. Um, and it and it pulls in a lot of the visual language of comic books, but then it it translates it in a way that a live action film could never do. Yes. Um, yeah. Suddenly there's a um, like thought bubbles start popping up. Yes. Like, Wait. Oh, there's a narration now. Yeah. Miles yeah. suddenly has a narration in this scene after an hour of not having narration. Yeah. It suddenly pops up. You're like, oh shit. Okay, that's interesting. That's yeah. a really cool way of doing it. And 
yeah, just those moments where it transitions from different animation styles and the other spider characters, like you said, mm. are animate literally animated in different ways and yeah. Yeah. different <clears throat> characters in the same scene have different frame rates and that melts my brain. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no, I don't know the first fucking thing about animation, mm. but the fact that, yeah, they can pull all that kind of stuff off and it's just, they introduce like 15 different fucking characters from scratch it's if true. you don't know the comics. Mm. Yeah. A lot of people don't know Miles, don't know Gwen, let alone Noir and all the other Spider-Ham. Spider yeah, <laughs> John Mulaney's Spider-Ham. Amazing. <laughs> um, the fact that they pull that off and they do the cliche of like, oh, great, we're going to go around and do go around a circle and tell all of our stories. Just, okay, great. Mm. Who's next? Like, okay, yeah. yeah, here's the one that... Here's the Japanese one that Gerard Way created. Like, oh my god, what <laughs> yeah. the fuck is going on? The whole film, if I had to summarize it, it, it in just a word, is creative. It is mm. every aspect is the height of creativity. Mm. And we're getting a sequel. We're getting tons of stuff with it. Like, they're doing lots of things, aren't they? Like spin-offs and all kinds of things. Right? Well, p- potentially, but they've they've officially announced a sequel. The sequel's where it's going to start, but let's yeah. face it, it's not going to end there. Good. Well, one would hope, like because it's that thing. Bring of, it like, on. Everybody who went to see it was going, go see this film. That's true. That's true. Um, but I, it's the thing of like, it's never going to do as well as a live action film, unfortunately, because... No, it's true. It, it was the best thing about the Venom movie. Mm. Venom ended with a, a, a Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse uh, bit. And I was like, this could be quite good. But I watched it and thought, this is really fucking good. Mm. I've forgotten that I didn't mm. give a shit about Venom. Yeah. Well, Venom's fine. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, Spider-Man. Also... Mm-hmm. It, to be biased for a second, I did a podcast about Miles and Gwen. You did, yeah, for like two years. <laughs> so them coming together on the big screen was like yes. Yep. And then the post-credit scene, my boy oh. Miguel O'Hara shows up, yeah, and I'm like, yeah. the fuck is this? Voice They're by doing twenty nine nine by Oscar fucking Isaac. I'm like oh, yes, he's doing everything right. Like this film was made for me, and then it drops him into so for a is, meme. Yeah, this is my handmaiden wank moment. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's so good. Doesn't does I can't. a meme joke? Yeah, but it'll all pay off. So good. So obviously, 2019 isn't over yet. Mm. We are in mid November as we record this. Yeah, um, but we're gonna we're gonna give what is likely to be the highest grossing film of the year and then I guess a couple of options for, for, thus far for thus far what mm. we think our favourite films of this year are going to be sure I think everybody probably knows the highest grossing one I teased it earlier unless you live on a different fucking planet it's Avengers Endgame yeah <laughs> following up from Infinity War last year we got Endgame earlier this year and it's also my pick because I think that film's fucking great Mm. And I feel like I haven't really seen many films this year, which doesn't really help. <laughs> the irony of being on sequel lines is I've probably watched more bad sequels this year than I have. <laughs> like, good films at the cinema. That's why we're going to the cinema. Yeah, To watch your piece of shit. Exactly. Um, yeah, I thought Endgame was fantastic. Like I kind of teased earlier, the moment where Cap catches Mjolnir, I just did a like... Fuck yes! <laughs> Out loud in the cinema, and everybody was like clapping and stuff. Like, I feel like people get that experience in America. Everybody Not like over here. Claps mm. and cheers and whoops and stuff in cinemas. Where Brits are like, huh. that's that's usually like mm. you get a, a single syllable grunt from us. Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that was good. My my wife and I have perfected watching a film, especially in our own house. We go. Mm. 
<laughs> yeah, the internet laugh, which is just yeah. the exhale through the nose. Yeah, exclamation L, O, L. That's the only time I think ever that I have like left my seat and said something out loud in a cinema mm-hmm. and not felt like a complete cunt. Because <laughs> I feel like in any other circumstance, I'd have been like, oh, you are pushing your luck, Jack. Don't, mm. don't even yeah, think yeah, about yeah. it. I just fuck yes and just pumped my face. It's like, pure oh, spectacle. Avengers. Mm. Yeah. So oh, God, when the, when, so when the portal started opening up um, and I knew we were building up towards that moment, I just like, I just started weeping, but not like sad tears. It was just like, this is a thing. It just overwhelming. The fact that they've done yeah, this and yeah. pulled it off. Yeah. And, yeah. Which again, like we were saying earlier, we're like, Avengers is important. You fuck, you don't understand. Mm. And then when Endgame comes around, at this point, I'm like, you know, semi curmudgeoning old critics and, and uh, uh, award bodies saying, oh, if it's got Avengers in it, no go watch for you. It's like, mm. you can fuck off because yeah. these things are actually good. Yep. Mm. Yep. Um, yeah, and again, it, great. it managed to subvert expectations in a lot of ways as well. Yeah. Like, they kill Thanos in the first, like, ten minutes. You know? mm-hmm. Wait, 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 what? Funnier than you would expect as yes. well. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, controversial Thor yeah. aspects yeah. aside, but, like, PTSD, give an entire film but, for Iron Man to figure it out. PTSD but, for Thor. Ah, fat bastard! Yeah. <laughs> but... Now I have a cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Somebody did that where um, it was a pregnant lady. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I can't understand that game being epic because let's face it, it's, it's a great fucking spectacle film. Mm-hmm. I think the thing is, if you were in this, it's one of the things I think that people might look back on and say, what's the fuss about? And you're like, you don't get it. You weren't there. Yeah. I've been there. Be, being yeah, in that cinema. day one. Mm-hmm. 11 years in the making, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what Iron Man 1 in America. That's a weird thought. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah. And I, and I think going back to Avengers, you know, Sorry, the the moment where you know you have the the, the big circular shot and the or the um uh, I'm always angry oh know? yeah uh, and that that feeling of oh my god they did it they pulled it off they brought them all together oh, and yeah. now we have this amazing spectacle and then that was a that was a real moment in the cinema and then you leap forward to end game and they managed to top to it. top it yeah. um and you know as ugh, like. To make it all palatable and absorbable. Mm. So it's not... You say you're overwhelmed, for example, with tears and like, oh, this is almost too much. But it isn't, and you can follow it. Yeah. That's the that's the trick. That's yeah. what they've done that I think is yeah. impressive. And like, you know, Disney is obviously <laughs> a giant and evil corporation that oh, has yeah. more mm. money than God. Yeah. Mm. But there's a lot of people working <laughs> on these films, most of whom aren't as rich as God. Um, and or, or as evil. Or as evil mm. as Disney. Um, and uh, <laughs> what does God think about the starship? Um, <laughs> mm. And the 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 grand unified effort that has been put into making to get these films to this point is is just the accomplishment alone. Yeah, is is, 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 is it speaks for itself. Yeah. yeah, but you didn't pick it. I didn't pick it. Neither did I. No. What did you pick, Tim? Uh, so I've got two choices. Oh, it's, um, it's it's fair for the end of the year. Yeah, yeah um, and um, who knows? There might be something still yet. I'm annoyed that we're not getting Parasite uh, until February. <sighs> yeah, Parasite, oh, yeah. Jojo Rabbit, Lighthouse, mm. all next year. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, Jojo Rabbit doesn't come out until mm. next year, does it? Yeah. Fuck's sake. Um, but yes, uh, my two picks are. Very different films. Yeah. Uh, so I have John Wick 3. Oh, yes. Mm, I enjoy the John Wick films. Yeah. Um, and I have Hustlers. 
I really liked Hustlers. Mm. I compared it to Goodfellas in my review and got a lot of shit for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Hustlers is a good film. Yeah. I don't know why. And it's not like a handmade anything where I'm like just perving. Yeah. It's just really well done. It's a it's a really Yeah, it's just a really well told and so much fun to watch. Yeah. Like uh and I I really want to do a very, very odd triple bill. Oh. Uh where the oh, films yeah. are edited into each other where you <laughs> you start off with uh hustlers. Okay. Then you start cutting in the big short. Oh, right, I get okay. it. I get and it. then it stops in the middle and you watch all of Margin Call. Oh, wow. That's then, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, which is about uh, the, the basically the moment of the financial collapse. Oh, right. Um, okay. Because Hustlers is like Part actually of that, yeah. is, is very uh, concerned basically with the, with the Wall Street collapse that yes, happened yes, in you know, 2008. Yep. Tim, I was disgusted by the idea of what, what now you've suggested is actually fascinating and I really want to see it. Yeah, and then uh, so it would be, it would stop, you'd watch Margin Call and then you'd carry on with uh, the at the end of the big short and then the rest of Hustlers. Yeah. Um, because they're all examining that pivotal moment, you know, something that shapes the, the no. decade. Um, uh, but I'd probably say Hustlers is the best of those three. As a narrative, yes. Mm. I think so. Um, and yeah, John Wick three. He, he kills several people with a horse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's all Yenny. Hatch it in someone's face. He, he uh, <laughs> a knife fight, and it the fucking when he's fighting the guys from the, the guys raid, from the and raid he just up. gets yeah. smashed through endless glass boxes. And mm. uh, every time somebody tries to kill him, it's like I'm a really big fan, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah. So the guy's mental. Basketball player that he kills with a book in the library. Yeah, oh, good. it's ah, oh, that's, that's a great, fun, that's a great book cinema. kill. Mm. Yeah, underappreciated book kill. Really. Yeah, uh, that's another interseason spinoff. Jack's favorite book kills. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, well, what's that? What's the film with Christian Bale where it's the future and nobody has emotion? Equilibrium. Thank you. There's a good book kill in that one. Yeah, Sean Bean. Sean Bean. Um. My favorite book killer is the Book of the Dead, the Mummy. Oh, nice. Where it kills everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the like uh, j- talking about kind of joyful cinema experiences. Going to watch John Wick yeah, was just yeah, yeah. another one it's where fun. it was just yeah. Oh, I found Atomic Blonde and the John Wick films are my like junk food mm. films. Tim's, Tim's Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like I can just watch any of those at any given moment and just feel like I'm the, just having a great yeah. time. The neon punch. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. and and we talked about um, Spider Verse taking on the kind of some of the language of comic books and adapting it for cinema. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. John Wick Three is the best video game adaptation that there is. Yeah. <laughs> Except it's not no, based I, on a video I, game. Yeah. I, uh, because it. And they're now making a video game based now, on John Wick. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, like the mm. in the best possible way, like the moment where you're following kind of more Halle Berry's character and her dogs, yeah. it feels like the moment in a video game where you take control of a different character oh, yeah. and play a mission as them. Um, yeah, it, oh, great, it's amazing great. action cinema. If, if if John Wick was done by Rockstar, I'd be very happy. Mm. <laughs> the sort of Red Dead level of... Like, yeah. mm. it, 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 just this Production and Although, the only problem I have with the John Wick films is the more yeah. and more... The only problem I have with them is the more and more they get into, the more lore it unfolds, mm. 
the more I'm like, uh, and the more I'm like, are there any normal people or is everybody an assassin? Because it feels like everybody's <laughs> an there's assassin. Coins and mm-hmm. tokens and but, uh, keys, yeah, and keys that have coins melted into the keys <laughs> of the coins. You're like, wait, mm-hmm. what? See, I can't really say too much of that because it's also super epic. Then, <laughs> then I have a blood thing that I give to him I that supersedes print. the coin, which means the assassin can kill an assassin. Because of the blood thing and the coins. I, lo- I love that he always have films with like criminals on? or something like that, and they're like bound by codes. I'm like, mm. you know, if they followed laws, they wouldn't be fucking criminals. <laughs> <laughs> but they're so bound by codes and laws and pirates. And it's like, eh. but no, I, I do. You're right. The, the, the amount of fun you can have in the cinema watching those things, even just people around watching, it's fucking. Mm. And also because it's in, an, in, in the same way we were talking about Die Hard 4. It felt like a f- breath of fresh air at the time. Mm. It felt it felt like grounded action. This mm. is grounded action, and just an actor at his not his peak, but just being really fucking good. It's it's that thing of it's a grounded act. Peak probably is Keanu's peak at this point, isn't it? Matrix. Yeah, that was his. That was peak peak Keanu's Matrix. Yeah, mm-hmm. but what else did he do? Like, didn't need to. I feel, I feel like Matrix. this. <laughs> That's the peak. Yeah, we're we're in the Keanu sense. Yeah, sure. we are. In, yeah, yeah. Um, it's grounded action and yet heightened reality. Yeah, which is like the, kind of the perfect combination because the, the the world feels a step away from the normal one. Yes, and yet all the action you still feel the stakes of it. Yeah, um, like Miles Morales and his version of the Spider Verse. Yeah. It's slightly different from what we expect, but yep. slightly familiar. Mm-hmm. Matt, finish us off. Like a handmaiden. Hey! Okay. Um, I gotta stop saying hey like that. That's just, like a fucking lech. Uh, but I have two picks, and they're very, very well. No, they're not different. They're about just about parents. I want to say the Irishman, but I don't know yet because <laughs> for Britain it's now for like two fucking weeks. Um, another example of I'd like to see it in a cinema, but I have to watch three and a half hours of it at home on Netflix. Um, and it's getting really good reviews, but I don't know. Um, and again, as you mentioned, there's a parasite and other things like that. I think it'd be amazing. But two films: one, The Farewell, Aquafina, mm. uh, about a woman going back to, to see her dying relative, and talk about the sort of Chinese mindset of like, no, we don't talk about it. Mm. You don't, you don't. There'll be a burden. We don't want to talk about the burden. And just the cultural differences and the idea of being a child of immigration and feeling out of place in both. And it's just this crushing emotional story. I always maintain, if you want to have a really compelling, emotional, dramatic role, find a fucking comedian. Mm, because yeah. no one goes yeah. to the comedy because they're happy. Mm-hmm. They're running from <laughs> some shit. Yeah. Um, and it's a, a very good point. Yeah. I thought of that. Aquafina is like just... So good. It's, the fact was just an amazing fucking. I, I really want to get around to seeing. It. Yeah, it's, it's, it was on like very briefly in the UK, mm-hmm. and I think it's not even got like a release date in terms of home media stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think maybe like February time, but um, uh, yeah, yeah, just really fun. It, I think I could be wrong. I think it's ninety nine percent Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, mm-hmm. and deservedly so. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other pick, like eighty odd percent on Rotten Tomatoes, I think, uh, is Ad Astra. Um, James Gray. I get James Gray. Cerebral sci-fi, mm. I think. Cerebral sci-fi. Ah, um, there we go. He's come Cerebral back right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, James Gray has a nice slow pacing. Like He's a filmmaker from the 70s who just fell into the contemporary period. And he gets on with Pitt, it seems, because Plan B and Pitt's uh, production company make a lot of his stuff. He made uh, The Lost City of Zed um, with Charlie Hunnam, which is basically yeah, a 70s film about exploration 
and it's very slow burn about a British guy. Well, it's, it's a true story about this, this English uh, explorer who goes into Central or South America, I think South America, into the Amazon and says, uh, there is proof of, you know, that we're not the, the primary species. We didn't bring civilization to people. And the, all the classic, all the English sort of victory. You can't say that. Um, and it's just his we last brought civilization to the savages and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And um, it's it's just, but the thing is, it's so slow. It just takes its time, and it doesn't give a shit about you. And okay. it's confident. For, they, they got confident for like George Miller, for example. And Ad Astra is the same thing. It's about a very credible near future. We have a base on Mars. We have a base on the Moon. But it's it could easily be set in the 1700s, where it's a man going to find his, at heart of darkness style, going to find his dad. In oh, Africa. interesting. And it could be like you know, you know, he gets, um, he just goes as an astronaut saying, "Oh, by the way, you need to find your dad. We don't know what's up. We, he's gone into the mission out by you know, uh, Neptune or some shit. Mm. He's, we're worried." Um, like okay, and he goes off into space, and he's also a renowned astronaut and hero, as it were. And he goes off to space, and he goes to the moon. And while they're crossing across the moon, they get attacked by basically space pirates which is just you guys in moon rover land rovers and it's like it's just crazy because it feels so real mm. but at the heart of the story it's about a guy trying to reach out to his father and both of them are not good at being people they just live in isolation and it does isolation fucking amazing you know how the martian is fun mm-hmm. as, a, as a thing it's that but grim as fuck <laughs> and he's like sounds like i'd enjoy it yeah i don't want to explain what happens exactly but at one point brad pitt's Character's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to record the message now. It's, uh, I think, 70 days isolation till I get to Neptune. And he just literally goes kind of mad with himself, mm. but keeps it keeps with it. And it's just on his own, doing daily maintenance stuff. And it's just, it's just so good. And the visuals are amazing. And the score is amazing. And James Gray's got control of everything because it feels just so grounded. There's a point where he, there's a virgin flight to the moon and... It feels what commercial flights to That's the moon would be like. Going to be a thing. Yeah, it? yeah. And he says, uh, "Could I possibly have a, a, a pillow and, and blanket set? It'd be two hundred fifty dollars." I was like, "Thank you." And it's just, <laughs> it just, but it just feels. And he gets, he gets to the moon. And he's like, and he does a little narration. Terence Malick sort of stances. Dad would hate this to see what mm. it's become. And get off the moon, and he's like, "Welcome to the moon." If you have a problem with like this, and what kind of a Starbucks? And it's like, it's just, but it's, it feels real, and it's just fucking weird. Mm. Um, so yeah, Ad Astra or the Farewell at present would be my two choices. Possibly. But again, you know, still a bit of 2019 to go. Yeah. Yeah. Could possibly be last Christmas. Who knows? Last Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a uh, fourth channel of microphone that just came out of nowhere. It's yeah. Brad, our sound guy. Good old, good old Brad. Good old Brad. Brad Astra, as we like to call Brad him. Brad Astra. I hadn't even made the connection with Brad Pitt and Ad Astra, because I don't do puns, but yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. So Ad Pitt as we like to call Ad Astra, more like Sad Astra, no. more like Dad Astra. No. It's all true. It's all Sad Brad Dad Astra. <laughs> yes, that's a with review. a little with a little bit of Mad Astra. Yeah, that's also that's accurate. <laughs> this is all this. Yes, I feel like the the like title card thing could just be the initial letter just with scrolling past. Yeah, yeah. yeah that would have been it. Mad. <laughs> and then he does then he does a cool skateboard trick and it's rad astra <laughs> <laughs> oh dear uh, play some golf cad astra <laughs> <laughs> I can't do tad astra um, 
obviously we're really curious to know what your breakdown is for the decade. It will take mm. you a while to think of it because it got a fucking while. It did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Genuinely, send us I, emails. I had mine all prepped, and then I realised some of them I'd gone by uh, festival release dates, and so hadn't actually seen them in that year. I had to do some rejuggling because, mm. uh, yeah, I have that problem when I'm like putting my breakdown on my website where I'm thinking of like, okay, well, this is my top of the year. I can't pick this though because while it was the best film of the year, technically it didn't come out in Britain until this year. It's like mm. bollocks. Yeah, it's like uh, if Beale Street could talk, you're like, great, but it doesn't count for last year. It's this year. It's like mm, mm. it's very irritating. But yeah, let us know what your picks are. Yeah. Keep sending us your questions. We'll keep... Uh, doing what we do. Doing what we do. Reading them. <laughs> pointing at them. <laughs> laughing at them. Um, but also taking them on board. Yeah. And we'll also be back bigger and better than ever in season five. In we 2020. have such sights to show you. It's a, it's an event, right? You know how I've been te- teasing merch for like the entire year at this Forever. point? It's coming. We, we're talking to a designer who's awesome. We're working on it. We're nearly there. We promise. I don't want to be one of those dickheads, but I'm going to be one of those dickheads. I want to wear our merch. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not like the whole, like, oh, it'd be cool. It's like, no, it's going to be fucking amazing. It's going to mm. be great. Um, yeah, we have a lot of plans. It's going to be really big. If you want to follow yeah. Matt on the interwebs, it's Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. That's correct. Isn't that right? That's correct. Yeah. And the redrighthand.co.uk is your movie reviewing website. That's correct. I know. It's almost like we've been doing this for <laughs> ages. Tim is at trivia underscore lad on Twitter. That is correct. You want X-Men discussions, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe discussions, uh, comics in general. You talk Carly about comics Ray in general. general. Carly Ray Jepsen and comics. Yep. Yeah, that kind of sum, sums Tim up quite nicely. <laughs> I'm JLW Chambers. It's usually wrestling and sci-fi. It's probably a good culmination of, of my topics that I discuss on Twitter. And of course, we're Sequelizers on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of good stuff. Sequelizers at gmail.com is the place to send your feedback, questions, 2010 decade lists, <laughs> all that kind of good stuff. And of course patreon.com slash sequelizers if you want to support us with some sweet dollar dollar bills if you can't afford it don't worry no pressure we're still doing the show for free Mm. but there is plenty of extra cool bonus stuff if you do want to contribute if you do want to send us some extra money we would appreciate it and we try to give it back and there's gonna be a lot more extra content coming with season five like i said it's gonna be more Cool stuff like accompanying each episode. There's gonna be more bonus content. There's gonna be merchandise. There's gonna be cool stuff. So that that said, merchandise there may be a, a sneaky exclusive for the patrons. So mm. if you want to get in, you need to get in. As a bit of a soon. thank you and a thank yeah. you for being patient and giving us a chance to get it all sorted. We'll be we'll be getting it sorted. Don't we, worry. We got your back. We got you. We got your back. We got your front. We got your sides as well. Yes. A little tickly side action. Yeah. From your boys at Sequel Labs. Got you, got you covered in t-shirts. In t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. In swag. Ah, uh, Swaggy is from Marvel. Yeah. See you in season five, folks. See you in 2020. Woo! See you in hell.
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel-Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.